lights on. Hello and broadcasting you can't hear what the from the beautiful shit. central coast worry. of California. No, right. It's that, the Doctor Death you, Danger Radio Show. Yeah, the intro's on right now. So we don't trip unless you want to say something stupid, bro. Everything I say is stupid to some degree. Music's on. You know, I'll do the intro. And you'll be like, oh, okay, it's time to do it. Mm. Alright, listeners, and we're back to the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. Here I'm, with a late I'm cast Edward. because we got fucked. Sorry, Edward. What were you saying? No. I'm- Oh no! I was just doing the usual. I'm Edward. Bit. Uh, yeah, no, we got we 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 got our asses handed to us this last week. Well, we got kind of fucked because we got that fucking COVID nineteen, or as we've been calling it, the Wizard nineteen, because we jam in a band called Toxic Wizard, and all three of us got the shit. So that fucking yeah. sucks, cocks. <clears throat> it um. We we've had better days, James. Well, we've it's just more like days. some fuckery because forget <clears throat> I got like well now I gotta be in quarantined out so I can't go to work, which that's not my biggest worry. My biggest worry is that I couldn't celebrate my girlfriend's birthday or freaking go to like pro wrestling gorillas first show after pandemic and stuff. Which on the card, it's like you know it doesn't seem like it's the most best card. But at the same time, it would have been sick to go to though. Still, I was like bummed on that, but. Thankfully, the company I like sent an email saying I got the we got the fucking COVID and we get we basically get comped for the next show. So yeah, thank it was God the for that. Thing. It was the funniest thing. He he messages our group chat, and I'm paraphrasing, but they're basically just like, "Oh, bro, you got COVID, dude. No sweat. We'll comp your tickets for a future event." And it's like, oh, oh, thank that's God. <laughs> It's like that was a thank God because I've been ghosted by it before when I asked the question on our first show. I was like, wait, how do the tickets work and stuff? And I was just totally ghosted. So I was like, I don't know. PWG feels like ghost me, but nah. I, they also sent a friggin' wide like email sit telling everyone to please wear masks for this show too, because LA is now full back on mask mandates because you get vaccines, but fucking you can still get the COVID and shit. Like I got the vaccine and I got fucking COVID, but you, yeah. you didn't get the vaccine and got COVID. So tell me. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really know how it happened. I know. Uh, I, our our fucking, two- it's called you and Dylan. Like Dylan was the first one to get sick and he was uh, sick uh, like a week prior and he most likely gave it to you. That's what I was going to say. He's the I first one two- that got pinned out I of had our bandmates. Theory. I had two theories. It was either Dylan. Yeah. What's your game theory? I had, to, I had to give him a ride home. So it was, I, I thought that that, or I figured maybe I possibly got it from the casino because they don't, uh, cause I go there often and well, I used to, but well, you know, not though, not of recent, but, uh, they, um, they, it's one of those things where, you know, the staff are required to wear masks, but uh, everyone else, it's kind of like, you know, oh, you're not wearing a mask. OK, cool. You must be vaccinated, sir and or madam or anyone in between. And you're like, yeah, sure. I'm vaccinated. Big whoop. Yeah. yeah. Where, where the t- fucking slots at? And I'll tell you this. Um, I'm not trying to 
disrespect the only casino within a hundred miles of me. But um, when it comes to cleaning procedures, um, well, first off, obviously most of the people that go in there aren't wearing masks. And I'll tell you this, they are not doing a thing where they have someone on standby where it's like, oh, someone just left that machine. Let me disinfect it. No, it's like, oh, this machine's been left alone for five to 15 minutes. Okay. Let me disinfect stuff. But I guess yeah. I'll disinfect it, I guess. Yeah. I guess it's and, my job uh, to disinfect in some sort of way. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, man, I got um I got the congestion like a son of a gun. Like my it's I, I, I don't want to take it too much time, but it's it's a crazy story because like every day for that first week was something different. So on Sunday when I started feeling icky vicky, um I thought it was just a thing because my body was really, really sore, but there was the t- tiniest bit of congestion. So I thought to myself, okay, this must be a thing where, because sometimes my body it does this thing where, you know, if I'm not getting enough sleep or if I'm too dehydrated, my, my body gets very, very sore, hard to move. And usually I just need to rest like hell for a few days. Well, I had, and um, I had a, at a, we had the show on Sunday and then I had work the next day. And I thought, I'll be okay for work. I woke up for work on Monday, and I could barely move. I was in so much pain. Called out. Felt a little better the next day. Went to work. But my boss was like, dude, you." she didn't say this, obviously. But she basically said, dude, you look like shit. You need to go home. And I was like, damn. So then about, damn, uh, when, word. Then about, then about Wednesday, that's when the congestion set in. I started getting more and more of a of a cough and the thing that really sucked besides the body pains was um was headaches and i wasn't getting chills but i was very susceptible to cold so then thursday i get the test and at this point stomach's feeling nauseous e uh, the coughing's in full effect um and so i went to get the test and the next day boom your boys got your boys got covid and everyone told me the same thing like co-workers to, to just other people i know they're just like dude make sure you're munching on some vitamin c and d and drinking lots of water and i say you know what's funny too you. it's like you I, told I was, me no, yeah. no, you know what's funny you told me that you got the covid and that was also the same time a good friend dylan also told us that he got covid it was like both the same day and i was like oh word at work when I got the news. So I went and got a test after work and stuff, but the next day came up negative, but I'm a case of saying, yeah, you're going to have to wait a second to get a more proper test on that one. Yeah. Cause I first um, came up negative and hang around with you guys, but free and I got a little sick and then I just <laughs> went and talked it with my like supervisor that I got a little nasal thing. It feels like a cold's coming. I went and got the test mm-hmm. and it came up positive since I know and it was like, you guys started out. I was like, oh, I got a little like, <laughs> I got a little uh, stuffy nose going. And I'm like, and then like you guys come up, oh, I'm COVID. And it was like, oh, hey, I'm like negative. Cool. And the next week it's like, oh, hey, I'm positive. Double cool. Cool. And dude, let me, <clears throat> dude, let me tell you just for the, the, the four or five days after that it got confirmed that i had covid dude that's when shit like legit excuse me that's when shit like legit just went off the rails just 
it, it, it was insane. I started coughing more and more bodies in pain, heads in pain, getting headaches and just a whole bunch of weird stuff. I, I'm sure I'm going to sound melodramatic, but dude, that COVID shit is more. Is no, 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 dude. I, no, know, dude, I know but, it varies person to person. No, no, no. When understand. I got the vaccine, it fucked me up and friggin' and dude, like, and like, like, I could see where it's like the vaccine wasn't a derivative of the COVID virus itself. It was some other stuff, but I felt it fucking attack my nervous system. So I'm sure fucking that was able to help me get a pseudoimmunity when getting the fucking COVID. And dude, let me tell you that this, this it's it's I know it's gonna sound melodramatic, but bro, this shit feels alive when you have it. And I don't just mean like, oh, it's you know, it's, it's self-aware. I mean, I mean it's a diseases are microorganisms so yes in some senses they are in fact alive but dude i'm telling you this thing didn't just feel alive this covid thing it feels sentient like because every day was something so it was something different for like a solid week almost week and a half it literally felt like that the covid was just throwing whatever it could against the walls just to see what would work like it, it it felt like a malicious force that was actually trying to kill me. It's, I know that sounds insane, but Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with, and neither's COVID nineteen, bro. It's it's it was. I know everyone's got a different story to tell, and it sounds like you didn't have too crazy of a yeah. But I also got time. the vaccine and stuff too. I'm thinking, what happens yeah. if I didn't get the vaccine? Because I felt on my worst day, it was like a pretty solid, rough head cold, and just made me want to lay out all day. Just like a little fever yeah. going, freaking stuffed up, stuffed up nose and stuff, and getting a little dizzy. And I felt when I went to go get some food and stuff. I definitely felt like some shoulder pains, body aches and stuff too. But thank God that was like only the worst day. And it kind of like I got took some friggin' NyQuil and then like next day I was feeling better. And then today I'm feeling pretty cherry. Like like on a pre-COVID, I'd be like, yeah, I'm ready to fucking do. Yeah, I could do. I could kill. I could kick ass at work today kind of thing. Friggin' no stuffy nose. Maybe a little chest, a little congestion pain-ish teeny little pain ish but and a little body fatigue but i've also been laying in fucking bed all weekend so that's my COVID tale i feel like i get like two more days and i should be back to like back to normal for the most part or at least pretty like yeah. back to like i could perform normal e like i don't know like i'll be like and dude i was caught there was points where i was coughing so much with such a severity that frick, that freaking I was coughing so much so hard. There were times where I I I straight up just almost puked. Uh that's 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 how crazy uh that's how crazy it felt. Um and and then and then just for the last like three, four days. Not if you hear me coughing at all today, it's not too bad. Um, don't worry, you're forgivable most, from I've, your host. I don't know about the listeners, yeah, but the listeners, uh, oh, but the listeners are like a little antsy. Well, you can go fuck um, off, and we also have timestamps, so free. Yeah, I don't give but a I fuck. But I was gonna, but I was gonna say, um, I've mostly just been hot hacking up phlegm the last few days, and yeah, man, I was doing the whole nine yards. I was taking a vitamin C a day, I was taking the vitamin D a day, cough syrup. Um, yeah, it was. The only thing I wasn't taking was magnesium, which I heard helps for stuff like this, but I didn't have any available. Yeah, but friggin' 
This is what it is. But hey, at least you're doing well. We know good friend Dylan got pretty fucked. Like he was in the oh hospital. My God. I, like, was, I think I was, he was in the hospital and he still have to like needs a oxygen. He needs an oxygen tank with him when he goes to bed. So forget it. It sounds like he got pretty fucked up. Like literally I'm asked how Dylan's doing. It's like, dude, I actually don't have much specific details on this fucking COVID shit. Like I know you've given me more. I understand. It's like you had a fucking weird variety. And now it's like we got something on that. But forget Dylan. Oh, good friend Dylan. It's like we just know it's like he had to get hooked up with an oxygen tank. And I guess he was in the hospital for like a couple days. Yeah, and God, I just, it's just one thing after another with that dude. He's just always, I'm just always in fear for his life. You know, I got to give it to good friend Dylan, though. Somehow, some way, that dude's a survivor. He's still surviving, so. Anyway, but yeah, COVID, don't get it, everybody. Or at um, least, try, not, like, try to take it, please take it cereal. It's. I'm not going to, I'm not going to use the, I'm not going to use our limited platform to try to pontificate that people get the vaccine because ultimately you know because because i don't have it so like you know if you don't want to get it okay but bro please be safe wear the mask wash the hands just just be diligent because this shit sucks a lot it sucks a lot i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy all right that freaking well I got like, oh, no, I got like one little quick story. Forget, you know what? My, have you ever like, um, you've heard me rant about this, but any like fellow podcasters that are actually any loyal listeners, you've heard me rant about my recently new roommates of like the past couple months or so, how they're oh, like yeah, yeah. super nice elderly people, but totally fucking punishers with their like kindness. It's almost weird and awkward. <laughs> They're total yeah. fucking punishers and stuff. And like, they always want to try to feed me food and try to flex that their cooking's good, but their cooking isn't. And it pisses me off and stuff. Maybe that's just me <laughs> being an asshole and stuff. It's oh, like they're cooking. Their cooking's not good now. The fucking cooking was never good. I was just, I always oh. thought it was just like whack ass fucking subpar shit. It's like, if you save your patch bow cooking, I thought this be better, but no. <laughs> This isn't that good. You keep using like this fucking freezer fucking meat too. It's like, God damn it. Oh no, they do is fucking just stuff meat in my face. It's like, I eat vegetables. I, I need something to fucking make me poop. I can't be eating all your fucking like frozen out fucking meat that you've stored in here for a fucking week and stuff. Shit. Why don't you get the fucking meat fresh that day? God damn. You aren't doing anything else. You're both old retired fucks. Hey, oh man. no, but the fucking awkwardest thing. Hey man, there's nothing wrong with a little red meat. No, no, I'm fine with a little red meat and stuff too. I just don't like friggin' like them trying to like flex their cook, try to say they're like have killer cooking, and it's like no, it's not. And I don't know, this kind of like. And then when they like give me free food, it's like yay, free food. I'm like, wow, this isn't really much of a nutritious meal, and this is a work day. I would like to have a little bit more nutrition in my fucking meal, (laughs) for sure. So I get you. And stuff too. And like I'm a little bit. I like to be more nutrition conscious on my work days and stuff. And the food they gave me isn't nutrition conscious. It's like fuck, dude. It's just meat and carbs. Where's the fucking vegetables? Shit. And I I feel like in the little times I've like feel like I have like cooked stuff too. It's like oh hey, it's like you need to get some meat in there and stuff too. It's like no, I don't fucking need that much meat. <laughs> I need some fucking more nutrients, vitamins and shit, vegetables. Fiber makes you poop. 
I'm getting it. Like, don't worry. I'm like not tripping on the freaking protein acquisition. I'm not so fucking like, I'm not the fucking Dwayne The Rock Johnson that needs fucking meat for all his steroid use to look jacked for an upcoming Jungle Book film. I mean, Jungle Cruise film. I don't know why I say Jungle Book. <laughs> but yeah, no, the fucking, here's the thing about like how weird that like my new roommates are. Because today I was like, forget it is literally a weird like thing because every now and then it's like i'll be hanging out and they want to start some conversation it's okay and literally i saw there was like a birth like some fucking cake in the fridge i'm like all right whatever maybe there's a birthday or something and i literally just made myself a grilled cheese sandwich with an apple and raspberry before enter my room like the lady like but like the lady like said it's like oh hey today would have been like today's like my daughter's like 26th birthday i'm like all right cool i don't give a fuck but like yeah no she like passed away okay that's morbid sorry to hear yeah she got strangled by the cord huh and then she's basically saying yeah i celebrate by freaking i i'm i'm not i'm like um she said a little bit more emotion to this but it's like she literally says i celebrate either like all my children's birthday, if alive or dead. So whatever, she's celebrating a stillborn baby's birthday. And I'm just like, dude, I just want to eat a fucking grilled cheese sandwich and my apple, you punish her. Why are you like telling me this? I don't want to hear this. This is awkward. You people are awkward. You fucking punishers. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud, but I was like, bruh. Fuck. And I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, if that sound of like you weren't prepared for that, but neither was I. And I feel like I have to tell you, like, good friend, homie, right here. And I was like, dude, this is the kind of shit I got to deal with. When I was living with my landlords, they barely fucking talked to me. It was nice. And when they did, it's usually like a high hello in business. These people try to like want conversations and stuff and then try to tell me about their lives. It's like, dude, I'm good, bro. You people are like, you seem very super nice where you're in my face punishing, but then you also seem like, you could be total fucking assholes when it really comes down to the wire. So how about no? Uh, it's better. Is it better than the, the uh, two places ago with uh, the crazy old lady that got mad at you for no reason? Whoa, freaking. Yeah, it's better than that. Like the crazy lady <laughs> kind of fucking sucked and banned my girlfriend and stuff too, and I couldn't really trust that that person, especially since I was on a month to month lease. So freaking, they'll just kick me out for fucking just saying anything. So I was like, yeah, fuck that. That's not good. Here at least it's like okay, I protect it. And these people are really nice. Like the husband, he's a really nice gentleman and stuff too. But the lady, but the lady though, I could like, I could set some headbutting and like, she's just like, the vibes are off sometimes. But I can tell you I this, homie, you. I got their permission from them to do a birthday show in the garage. So, freaking ready for Bloodsport 2? It was like a shitty show I did where I have three bands and I try to play all three bands in one night with maybe more of a grueling ish oh, yeah, set list. Yeah. And stuff too, and most likely just gassed out by the end, just hating my life. But freaking, it's mostly just a like a stupid show for me and the homies, and whoever actually likes the bands can tr show up and stuff too. So that was a fun show, and I would like to do it again. But I found out for sure with the crunch would be where like I would have to start the thing around six to six thirty and try to get that crunch stopped out by eight o'clock or so. So it's I guess the slow like freaking noise ordinance ordinance is eight so not ten like everywhere else but fucking whatever mm. whatever dude it's a little lame 
that's a little lame. But. Yeah, but freaking yeah. So, and I'm curious to see. It's like, all right, they act like they want to see these bands, but let's actually see it when it's there. All right, whatever. Yep. So, my dude, to all the listeners that have been hanging out for the most part, just like hearing about our lives, just remember there's timestamps. What are we here today to talk about on this episode of the podcast? Um. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if you remembered, but. Uh, you were supposed to listen to my dank ass EP. Well, I did remember, bruh. Okay, cool. And then the main event is is the Jet Li epic, uh, Romeo Must Die, which I don't understand why it's called that, but okay. Well then, friggin', I guess since... This review is for me. I had to review your EP, so I will try my best from what I got. So, your new EP, which, what was the name of your new EP? It was like an industrial... Uh, Industrial Madhouse Volume 2. All right, then. How long did you say it took you to do this EP? Okay, so that's actually... um, I actually have had most of that music written since... uh, (laughs) Early part of early part of this year, late part of last year at the most. It, a lot of that was 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 sitting there for a while. I just never, I either just never had the time to record, or I didn't have like the super best equipment. But uh, you know, good friend Bone Steel hooked me up with that uh, Sonus box thing with Dank Interface Phantom Power. Yeah, with Dank Ass Phantom Power. So my my DI setup is a lot better, so now I can uh, record with that and also very nice microphones. I actually, most of the music was written a long time ago, but guitars and vocals didn't actually get done until the last, like, month or two. So how do you track the guitars? Was it still through an actual amp, or were you, like, DI? Yeah, I just, DI? Um, I just like the sound of tracking through an amp but i was able to uh, what i did was i just ran the mic through the audio box and then just mic'd up the amp um it sounded better than when i did that using the uh the stealth plug so that's that's nice all right cool so freaking all right and when was this drop i'm just doing this all this information since you could tell it just a little bit more description before i go into the actual details of like what of my review not not two weeks ago, but it was about a week and a half ago now. All right, for sure. So, freaking Justifiable Treasons, Industrial Madhouse, Volume 2. Is there going to be a Volume 3 or in the plannings, would you say? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I don't know how many there's going to be. Uh, I just know that that's just, that's just a moniker that I'm using until, it's really until I feel like I have enough material to, like, fill out like either a full length or just something different but right now the industrial madhouse thing is just really reflective of where i'm at creatively right now you know well i can tell you from song number one it is basically just noise dissonance or whatever you want to use it's mostly noise and you repeating some lines of i wrote down lives bro lives but i'm sure it was like all lives matter no (laughs) lives matter kind of thing so it was so was that over a noise dissonance Sort of. Um, so that track is actually basically a full-on ripoff of the opening track to Scum by Napalm Death. You know, multinational corporations. I, I've wanted to rip that off. Was well, That's a ripoff of Swan, so... 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. So not um, much to really like say on here. It's a, uh, it's only, it's like over a minute. I can't really yeah. like say much here. It's only to go into things. So yeah. Then I wrote down. All right, song number two. I wrote down it was a freaking hardcore song, not the hardcore punk kind of thing. More hardcore as in the fucking Euro dance style music, EDM style music, where it's very fucking fast paced with double kicks. I wrote down it was a cool song. I'm trying to oh, remember thanks. much from it, but it's like, you know, I will say it was a cool song. And like, I don't know if you intentionally <coughs> were listening to fucking like Eastern European hardcore or you were just like, it just that, came in in your um, mind just to have like a faster tempo, electro- like EDM song. But well, that that song specifically, I've wanted to write forever and it just finally came together. Um, yeah, but but that that hardcore style that just that's something that just kind of happened. Uh, I really got into the idea of incorporating that stuff with whatever the hell I'm doing so you can hear it throughout the album. That's the song. Actually, I think I told you. Um, I got hit up by a I hit up a radio guy. And you like, hit up or he hit you up? I hit him up. I was in a Facebook group and the group is glitched out and it deleted it deletes everyone's posts. But there was a guy in there being like, "Hey, DM me. I've got my own little local radio show." So I sent him the EP, and that's actually the song he said he'd use whenever he gets around to using it. All right, cool. What was the no- what was the name of the song number two? I didn't write down the name. Oh, it was called Identity. All right, so on to song number three. I wrote down the song I vibed, and I will say is dope, and it had some energy. I think it was like, because I, I wasn't sure. It's like a lot of these songs kind of start off a little sketchy, but definitely builds a little bit more solid as they go on. So that's how I would say it was number, song number three. What was the name of this bad boy? It's called liability, but I was quirky and I put the E in parentheses between the I and A because the word liability sounds like the word lie and then the word ability. It it doesn't, I think it has meaning, but my brain's too scrambled to remember right now. This is a, this is a song I like, but it was a real pain in the ass to mix. So it's one of those things I spent so long listening to it. I, I got kind of tired of it, but I th- I think it turned out okay. All right, so now on to song number four. I would say the song was, I would definitely say it was heavy and had unpredictable in it. Like, it was unpredictable, so forget it. It was kind of cool in that I was, it was cool, so I would say it would, I don't know why I'm freaking, so yeah. Rewind. I would say, like, the, unpre- <laughs> the unpredictability was cool. On a second lesson, the first first time chorus guitars, I'm not a fan, but the second with layers is passable. The song does get better as it goes, so like it is a yeah, heavy song, but there are some stuff that like holds you back. So there's uh you're talking about song four now, yeah? Yes. Yeah, okay. So this was um this was a pretty blatant uh nine inch nails rip. I uh I like to think I'm at my best when I rip off Nine Inch Nails. This is probably the mo- the second most industrial quote unquote song I've ever written. It's called Bite My Tongue. But you see, I was quirky and I wrote bite with a Y and then I spelt tongue as T-U-N-G because just because I can. Oh, cool. All right. So then song yeah. number five, I would say had the most energy and the second half of the composition of the song was sick. I think it didn't start out too solid for me. 
like how it's been, but it like it builds up as it goes. Like I feel like you oh add God. in you add in more as I, the song goes, and it actually feels like it gets more exciting. I could I could rant forever because that song had potential to be like my best song, but my this that the the song is a representation of how stubborn I am. See, you might have noticed that the first half of the song has really weird timing. Well, that's because I put the stuff together right, but then I but then. I got to a point where I was like, eh, not really feeling it, but I put so much work into it that I just, the idea of starting that part from scratch just, just like filled me with dread. So I just tried to make it work. The shit at the second half though, is like my favorite section of music I've ever written. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. So in summary, this has been, I would say for sure, this is Definitely better than the last release. Last release, and I would say, and it's creatively. I feel like creatively, it is strong. Maturity is there, but at times it does come off a little low energy, where I'm just not vibing with it. And maybe that's your go for a primal industrial sound, which can be low energy, instead. So it's like you weren't coming at me, but that's just on my taste. So, and nothing didn't felt more the same, so I can say that. Like about to forget Bell and Sebastian, where that was just more the same. <laughs> yeah. Last two songs, I would all would say that it's this kind of the same story. It starts out sketchy, where I'm like, kind of got a little cringe face, but it gets better as it goes on. Like you give you like if you're really like forgiving, it, it, it like goes somewhere. And like yeah, but the only of my issues, if anything, is that one the like the recording itself when you were dropped it is pretty fucking quiet, like really quiet. Yeah, that was uh, that was again be- that was again my fault. Um, I felt that my last few releases were kind of bricked uh, the audio, so I thought okay you know what, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to try to actually like mix these things and try to give it dimensions and like, you know, um, so it, it won't be the loudest, but it'll at least, you'll be at least able to hear anything, everything. I think it. Like for sure. listening I, to this, you got to, you have to turn it up. So for, and for sure, uh, my usual listening like volume, <laughs> It was kind of a little quiet. And I would say, like, that's the most... Any issues production-wise, for sure. Songwriting-wise, as I said, it's more mature. And I would say, like, you're getting somewhere. I don't think you hit any gold or anything that makes me go, like, all right, this is fucking killer or anything. I don't feel like it does justice to, like, your heroes or anything. You're not that level, but that can come over time and stuff. But for sure, it's like you are maturing from your last release. I did like this more than what I, like, previously heard. But there's still Yay. issues with production and like you still need to get a little bit better on like getting your guitar sound in because the guitars still aren't are still sounding kind of weak. So you need to either yeah. get better at your playing because there were times it sound off and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Why does it sound off and stuff? Like the guitars yeah. sound off. So do you need to up the play up the physical playing? Because like obviously your machines do like good work, but the human element can still like need some work, at least on guitars. Vocally, I feel like it's fine and stuff too. But I feel like it does sound a little small. You can make your vocals sound you, you, like there is a goal, like you could make your vocals sound bigger for the most part. Or just like maybe like a little bit more present in the mix. I don't know. Like there are cool effects, but for sure the vocal like seems like the human element still needs a little work. So, but there is mature okay. in the writing. So yeah, 
Rian, I would say it's a solid release. It's like for sure your t like your top one or two release. So I'll give you that. How you Sweet. feel about this release? Kind of mixed, but again, that's just because. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the mixing process is always something that you're gonna like be head first in when it's your project. But this one specifically, the mixing process was just such a pain in the ass uh, that some of the songs sort of got ruined for me. But I still think they turned out all right. I I'm just kind of looking to the future now because I have a uh, I have a bunch of other stuff coming down the pipeline, which is, in my opinion, better. So it's, uh, but I still want, I almost, I honestly almost considered scrapping this music, but the thing is, is that this is going to sound weird, but you know, when you write songs and stuff, each song is a step forward. And there's been times I haven't released music, but because I wrote the songs, like when I jump from release to release, sometimes it feels like there's a gap missing. So I still wanted to put the songs out there because you know, it is growth, and I did feel that there was good things in the music, so. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my review. Yeah. Like, you asked for it, so I gave it to you. And, like, I gave you a pretty, like, solid and neutral review, for the most part. Yeah, man. Uh, treason. Looking, uh, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah, that's, where that's can we find idea. this? Where can we find this? As I'm putting in timestamps. So, so I'm on YouTube, um, Instagram, and Twitter, and all that, and SoundCloud. But honestly, I I, I mostly focus my my attention on the on the Bandcamp. That's the main spot to find the music. There's only one release for Are us. You on, on Spoofy? Yeah, uh, two releases ago, uh, right between the eyes. That one's on there. That's the only one on there. Honestly, that's the only one that I figured was quote unquote worth putting on there, but I do intend to put the, uh, industrial madhouse stuff on there someday, but it's like, a you know, a collection or something. All right, cool. So free in. All right. Well, let me get like the timestamp real quick. 33. 30. Thank you, listeners. All right, then. What was the time for the main event? Let's get into this. What did we watch? We watched a lovely little film from, uh, oh, God, 20 uh, ish years ago called um, Fuck. Romeo, called Romeo Must Die. So it stars Hong Kong Bad Boy, Wushu uh, Jet Master, Lee, Jet Li. And um, at one point, very promising, a young R&B star named Alia. Alia. Uh, Alia, who some of you might remember as the 15-year-old that R. Kelly married. What? <laughs> See, I didn't, I, oh. I didn't look into much of Aaliyah. <laughs> I just know she was some R&B star. The reason we watched this movie because DMX is in this movie, but not as a prominent character. He gets like two yeah. scenes for the most part. I was very Spoiler was very, alert. Oh. Oh, and there's no Tom Arnold. I was very disappointed. Oh, thank no fucking God. I, I was like, sitting, I was like, are we going to get fucked in Tom Arnold? I hope we got that. But you know what we did have in this movie? Anthony Anderson. Who For sure we got Anthony fucking Anderson. Who, once again, is a real highlight of this movie. Um, Yeah, every time he was on screen, I was just... It was my favorite stuff in the movie, so... 
So, how do we start off this movie? If you ask, yes, the movie started off with a DMX song, so... So the movie opens with, yes, a DMX song as a dude drives through neon lit up... Where was this? Was this in New York? No, this is set in the Bay Area, bro. Oh, okay. I thought so. So familiar. we get a shot of a black Mercedes cruising <laughs> as we see yeah. these Asian gentlemen loading up their guns as they're going somewhere for yeah, something. Three, so ship is getting down. It's three dudes in a car. Um, well, yeah, because the other dude's the cameraman that's got to film them. So, yeah. Yeah, they drive over to this strip club. Strip which club? It was just looked like some free. They said it was like a nightclub casino place. Oh, okay. It looked like well, a strip either. club. Hey, yo, is there like hot ladies getting down and dirty, <laughs> doing dirty dancing moves and stuff for seductional purposes? Yeah, yes, that did happen. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. I have a bone to pick with this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, Ro- so, Romeo Must Die and um, the Steven Seagal one, I had to pay to i had to pay to, to watch those movies but what was nice was they had the option they had the option to rent or buy so it was like okay uh well it's like two or three it's like two or it's like two dollars to rent the steven seagal one and it's like two two or three dollars to uh rent Cradle it's standard Cradle. definition you could get a high definition but it honestly yeah. is no difference like in standard definition it's like no it's still yeah, and even and even then the high definition was like uh, an extra dollar and I was like you know these movies are whack but at least they're not expensive not this one it, it, to rent to rent this movie was like five dollars in standard definition to, uh, what? to buy it was like 14.99 they were charging real prices for this movie <laughs> well I guess this movie has some sort of value as we'll like review but yeah, uh, back into the yeah. freaking stripper casino nightclub place. It was like hodgepodge. Yeah, so it was a hodgepodge a, of it was a hodgepodge of something. So there's a young uh, gentleman there, young Asian gentleman there. He's getting his chub on as these two girls are dancing. He's got girls sitting on his lap. Then who I can only assume is the bouncer. By the way, I'm going to try to recap my notes as best I can. I took these notes when I was super hella COVID-ed, so they might not be the best. Um, But anyway, so the bouncer dude comes up to him, but then uh, he goes up to him and he starts talking about like Amazing Grace for some reason. Yeah, for some reason he starts talking about Amazing Grace. I think he's trying to go patriotic on this gentleman because he's Asian, so he's trying to be nationalist. He's trying to show some nationalism for some reason. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking so they're like he's trying to threaten this uh, horny Asian man as he is getting his Mac on with like one or two ladies while two others dance very seductive in front of him. So yeah. And dude, this this bouncer guy, he was a thick boy. Okay, he was packing some dark chocolate and he's talking to the guy. What are you looking at his fucking cock bulge? (laughs) No, he was just a big guy. Did he just protrude big dick energy? Uh, well, you or know, he was trying to protrude it, like his fucking big PP energy on this horny well, Asian man as he's got most well, likely bro, getting more action than him on this evening. Well, bro, we watched a Steven Seagal movie two weeks ago with Tom Arnold. That was pretty small PP. Oh, no, so nothing. Anything, 
Anything seems big after that. <laughs> Suck it, Steven Seagal, you piece of shit. So, so he talks to him and he says, he says, I love the part about how I was lost, but now I'm found. But you got to be a fool to roll up in here. You must be lost. Then he gives him the bill, and I'm just like, okay, boomer. So, so he, uh, like, uh, I would say aggressively try to ask him to leave. Since it, I guess this for is no like real reason. Uh, I'd say it's a black club, and these were Asian people. And there's also to get more forward in the story, there is an Asian black people battle the Bay War kind of thing going. So there's yeah, two, there's two there's two rival factions. So the car from earlier pulls up, two of them actually, and uh, these dudes roll on in. The bouncer then picks a fight with the guy that rolls up, who we find out is basically um, the Chinese uh, crime boss guy's like enforcer. Enforcer, right hand man. I wrote down the final boss because he uh, (laughs) like he came off as like, yeah, this guy's going to be the final boss, isn't he? So so then the guy kicks kicks a bunch of ass and then the dudes that rolled up start fighting in the club. Um, I wrote here that, uh, oh, that's right. I wrote, I said that he kind of looks like Chinese Neo for a bit. Uh, this, this guy, you know, he had the shades, he had the Keanu haircut. You Dude, know? this movie like advertised saying this is the hottest action since the fucking matrix. So hottest. <laughs> action. Okay. At least okay. I saw some okay. advertisements like, yeah, witness the hottest freaking all balls out kung fu action since the matrix i'm like okay so that's all so that's a lie anyway he kicks their asses one of the dude whose asses he kicks has a huge afro which i appreciated so then there's a gun standoff they pull out guns and then fucking motherfucking dmx shows up and shoots off his m16 and keep in mind he has two scenes in this whole movie this is the first line that he says in his one of two dialogues it, it, scenes it, it, his role in the movie's half over after this he says guns don't kill people people kill people and then i said dmx <laughs> so we have now figured out dmx leans to the far right when it comes to the issues of gun control <laughs> there's also dmx was, was dmx was oh, a 10 man. here I was on the floor. He says, you guys are disturbing my business. So if your ass ain't black, you better get up out of here. And then I guess the Chinese dudes were like, well, fuck, we can't compete with this. Well, we got guns in our faces. Yeah, we got guns in our faces. We might as well leave at this point. Horny man, stop causing trouble. So I'm just going to call this guy final boss. So final boss lectures the young guy to basically correct me if I'm wrong. He basically said something to the effect of don't go to black clubs. They'll eat you alive. Well, they almost did. I guess the kids like you work for me. And then the guy's like, I work for your dad. Then the kid pouts and gets in his expensive car and leaves. Yep. Let me cut to a neighborhood where a young African-American boy is delivering newspapers on a bike. And I wrote here, wait, did the rich kid get hung, get killed and hung on the street post? And yeah, apparently that was him. 
So yeah, that dude's dead now. Yeah, like literally, as you said, we just get to the next scene where, oh, hey, it's all like a nice casual morning. This is youngster who is uh, like one of the earliest hustles you can do is delivering newspaper. He's just strolling you know, around on his bike and then he sees, oh, hey, there's a dead body on the freaking like street post. Oh, and know, we're like uh, us as the audience. We're like, oh, hey, it's the horny Asian man. Well, that ain't yeah. good. You know, I'm going to say this because we've watched three of these guys, of this guy's movies, this director, this Andrew something or whatever, and we've actually gone in reverse order. So he didn't really get better at this. This dude, this dude's movies are, have the wackest pacing sometimes. Either nothing happens or everything happens at once, typically in the last 20 minutes of the movie. But there are just some times where it's just nothing, nothing, then boom, 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 then nothing, nothing. And this was a good example of that. This dude, we, we meet this dude. We're like, okay, he's a young upstart, rich dad, looks like a crime family. The next thing, oh, he's dead. And it's like, okay, I guess we're just not going to develop his character. Cool, Whoa, they pseudo develop his character. Cause like, oh, he does True. play an important part of the plot. So, because then our next scene, we meet an older, we meet the older Asian man that is his dad, and he gets news yes. that oh yeah, his son's dead, because then because that's how we found out he it's his dad, lol. And yeah, and then we see these and the oh god, these are my notes verbatim. Oh, fuck. then we see these are then we see two black dudes playing golf at a country club. Oh shit, one of them's the black dude from Broken Arrow. Ha ha, that's funny because I referenced Broken Arrow in our last podcast. I'm so confused. Where the fuck is Jet Li? I'm too tired to write right now. And then I think I actually took a nap after that. <laughs> so wait, is this like are you talking is the dude from Broken Arrow the boss man? Yeah, he's the he's the boss of the because I've I seen him in the, other movies yeah. too, but I can't recall. I've seen him in other movies as well. He's he's always he, he's a he's a really solid not B movie actor, but just a just a mid tier kind of guy. He's good. Like yeah, he's good. He he. I'll tell you this: he threw in more effort in this movie than Predator dude in the Steven Seagal movie. Oh, dude, Predator dude didn't give a fuck. <laughs> but anyway so yeah they're he they're gets talking. a phone call and hearing about yeah. like a hey i guess he gets a phone call here about a hanging and he's like not stoked because you know possible gang war yes. at least that's what i got from the scene and then like he said gets a call gets told the news uh he it's established here that he actually knows that crime boss and we find out later that they're sort of in a pseudo turf war and he's telling his his homies or whatever to find out who did it and then we cut to hong kong a hong kong prison specifically and the first and there's two things that went through my mind one wait a minute are there just straight up maximum security prisons like this just in the streets of hong kong and two because jet lee is in this prison and he has to break out and i just thought it was really ironic because last year or the year before jet lee expressed very pro hong kong police sentiments well friend jet we basically go to a hong kong prison we i've met with jet lee some nerd comes up to him, most likely informing him that the I guess that like horny man died and he has relevance to him. So he yes. feels frustrated. He feels frustrated. And then he starts and then fighting. He just, you go. 
Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, just what you were about to say. He just starts fighting the security guards. They eventually overwhelm him, and then they drag him to solitary confinement, and they string him upside down. Like, is it solitary? It just looks more like a fucking torture-like thing, where they just kind of, like, hung him up. Yeah. Like, the room was pretty big. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what that is. Whatever. It was basically a torture thing. They were, like, going to torture him, but... It's Jet Li, Wushu Master, bad boy. (laughs) Yeah, he wakes up, and then he kicks the ass of five dudes as he's suspended in the air by a chain. He gets himself out, of course, and then Jet Li just escapes jail. Yeah, no, there's also a thing, too. We get, like, a second where he breaks a dude's arm, and we get Mortal Kombat graphics. I'm like, okay. Yeah, this is, oh, my God, I forgot about that. This happened a few times during the movie where Jet Li will hit somebody, and then, yeah, it's like it's like in Mortal Kombat when they start doing that. Mortal Kombat, like, 9 from 2011, where it's like, oh, shit, that's a 10-year-old game. I bought that on release, bro. Anyway. Bro? Yeah. They go into that's the game. They, they threw Kratos in that game. He kind of sucks because he moves really slow, but it was pretty cool to see Kratos fighting Scorpion. So but anyway, back to the Mortal Kombat yeah, graphics. Sorry, but yeah, they they just zoom in and they show the bones breaking, and I'm like, was that a thing in the early 2000s that people did? Because I don't remember. But anyway, so yeah, after that he. Um, he he escapes the jail. Yeah, he There's takes one of the of, he ba- he takes one of the guards' clothes. He basically yeah. just walks out almost to the front. He takes a bicycle, but the like the man that's running the gate up in the front asks him what he's doing, and he's like, "Oh, I got a hot tip at what I'm guessing at the track that friggin' that I'm gonna go, so I'm gonna go bet and stuff." And then he starts punishing him about like, "Oh yeah, I like horse racing or gambling at the track too, whatever." And then yeah. right as like Rizy's about to leave, the alarm hits and like he's like walking out. Like the dude opened up the gate and stuff. Like oh hey, he hands Jet the dude at the gate hands Jet Lee some cash, and he's like yes. hey yo throw a hey yo throw a friggin um throw some uh, yo place me a bet and stuff. And Jet Lee just strolls out of the prison while it starts to go on lockdown. Damn, he's slick. He escaped jail and made a profit. He's so cool. I know. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way, for the uninformed, you may be thinking yourself, okay, well, is Jet Li's character's name Romeo? No, his name is Han. I have no idea why the movie's called Romeo Must Die, but anyway. Uh, so the dude from... I'm gonna, I'll just tell you why the movie's called Romeo Must Die. It's literally, they just took the basic thing. What is the story of Romeo and Juliet? The story of two families that hate each other but a son and a daughter both like from different families garner a romance a forbidden romance so the only thing about this movie is like oh hey you got two warring like racial gangs and there's a forbidden romance i guess with jet lee and freaking the daughter which we'll talk about what is that why this movie is like this it's it's just a romeo and juliet reskin maybe or at least that's oh what, God. like, if you're wondering why it's like Romeo and Juliet, it's like whatever the the most basic, if you were to like describe Romeo and Juliet in one sentence, there you go. That's why it's called Romeo Must Die, I guess. 
But like, you know, all the detail, like there's like also tons and tons of sub details and stuff too. It's not like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio having a fucking Venice Beach fucking like (laughs) Romeo and Juliet, but they're reciting the fucking actual Shakespeare like freaking script while talking about, but when they mention swords, they're holding glocks in their faces. So (laughs) what the fuck? You know, you know, what's funny is that is because as soon as you were talking, I was like, you know, because he's mentioned that Romeo and Juliet thing. And I was like, you know what? What about? And yeah, that Leonardo DiCaprio movie came out in 96. So that was still in the public conscious at that point. So I almost wonder if that was a play on that. Anyway, so the dude from Broken Arrow talks to uh, the guy that lost his son. So he the boss tells, Yeah. So he's pretty openly suspicious that broken arrow man had his son killed and he's like hey man no one in my camp would do that and i didn't tell anyone to do that and and the old man is like okay i believe you but you could tell he doesn't you like so, nah. so now broken arrow guy is worried about his kids safety because he has two kids he's got a daughter and a son and now we meet the daughter uh alia alia who oh sorry alia shit so by the way i'm just gonna tell you guys i don't think i spelled her name once at all in my notes so yeah just say alia 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 which i have also figured out i am today i am today years old i found out that she was married to r kelly so i feel sorry for her (laughs) yeah that's that's uh there's 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 nothing funny about that story like there's oh no low alone like <laughs> r kelly is like is a monster but he's also kind of funny to laugh at, at the same time oh he's funny to laugh at but like <laughs> if you do the basic amount of research about the guy you're like thing, I sh- it's like, like, wow. it's, like i shouldn't be laughing but it's like he got caught peeing on people and like <laughs> Freaking that like inner that freaking oh, like God. breakdown interview on like nbc i'm guessing or something <laughs> Yeah, man. Where he's just, he's just like, like I, gave, I, gave y'all, I gave y'all 28 years or some shit. I gave y'all 28 years. And that's what you do to me. It's like, why are you trying to make yourself the victim? You're the one it's like, it's, with their fucking yeah. cult mansion. I was going to say, it's like, bro, you you, you, you partook in, in human trafficking, essentially. That's that's not cool, bro. Is that okay but to damn say? But damn it, he did like the is meme that, Is that okay shit. to but is that okay to say that human trafficking isn't cool? Because it's really not. It's not cool. It's just that he did some meme-worthy shit. Like his breakdown on like ABC, <laughs> like NBC or him like, or everyone talking about I'm R. Kelly and I pee on like chicks and stuff. Yeah. Yo, freaking Dave Chappelle wrote a, <laughs> yo, Dave Chappelle had a skit where he did like an R. Kelly like song where he talked about I'm going to pee on you. Oh my god, I remember that. Dude, there was like a Boondocks episode where they were like, what the court? It was like about R. Kelly pissing on chicks. So, golden showers, son. Golden showers. <laughs> so, yeah, we should get away oh, from man. talking about R. Kelly. Yeah. So, so, yes, yeah, so let's talk about Alia. She's at a Aaliyah. store. Aaliyah, shit. She's hanging out with some kids. And then she walks outside. And then Anthony freaking Anderson, a baby face Anthony Anderson, walks up to her. So the skinny is she works for her dad 
at this store, I think, which is the Broken Arrow guy. Or and her he, dad, I'm sorry. like, owns the store while she, like, yeah, yeah I'm sure dad runs, own, well, his dad, like, legally, like, might own the store, but she runs it and stuff, too. It's basically her right. store, what she sells, and, and like, and, she's, like, a fucking, like, you know, she's, like, fucking Snow White and got all the friggin' hood children hanging <laughs> out in there and stuff, too, singing her songs and shit. <laughs> So Anthony Anderson works for her dad, and now, because of what happened, he's here to be her bodyguard. Um, there's not as much improv hilarity from him throughout the movie, but he he gets his job done. So Jet Lee shows up in town, and we cut to a news report in a barber shop. And they're like, all right, whatever, it's just a barber shop. Okay, cool. And for some reason I wrote here, my mom came in and she says hi. I guess she came in while I was taking notes. Dude, I was out of it. So next thing I know, so well, here's the thing about oh, no, the barber shop. No. Uh, bomb appear. There's a package and it's a bomb, and the barber shop gets bombed. So I guess there's that's, some what, I gonna, that's what I was gonna say. In the time my mom came in, said hi, I said hi, and she left. The barber shop blew up in an explosion. It just blew up. These dudes are watching the news report in a barber shop, and the next thing I know, a blah, 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 blah. I'm like, "What the? F-? This is what I mean about pacing. This guy does not know it. That or he's like a music video director, and he's doing more music video like <laughs> style, like editing than like storytelling editing. But whatever. So, so my notes are as follows: Jet Li meets a guy. Anthony Anderson and Alia are at a record shop, and then he creeps out some random girl. So yeah, Jet Li, uh, we get shots of Jet Li in a hardware store, hardware store, grabbing stuff to yeah. most likely do more criminal activities. And he tries to ask for like a ride from a taxi, but the guy was a douchebag to him. Because then uh, we yeah. get cut to Anthony Anderson as he is listening to like an old CD rack, c- CD sample rack, just like checking out the and tunes and stuff. Cool. Yeah, and there's like a lady right next to him and he starts trying to like yell out to the lady while she's got headphones over her try to get his Mac on and stuff too, but the lady's just totally ignoring him. And then Leah yeah. takes this chance, like, all right, you know what? Screw this geek. I'm sneaking out. I don't need my dad, like, friggin' having, like, security protection on me. And then we get a... Then the next edit, we go to Jet Li, uh, basic... Jet Li, uh, hot-wiring a taxi, and Aaliyah hops in the taxi, and he's like, oh, sorry, uh, I'm off duty and stuff. And she just throws him, like, $50. Like, can you just drive please and gently drive sketchily out of the friggin parking lot he almost crashes like five times speaking of crashes there's a part here where anthony anderson's cringy is being so cringy he knocks over music and then the lady laughs at him oh that and that's funny. the thing too right before Aaliyah gently bounces out we get a shot of like anthony anderson running outside trying to like yell out for Aaliyah. And, like, whatever, like, Aaliyah's character, like, obviously, this is the one improv thing where we're sitting there, it's like, I'm going to find your Aaliyah-looking ass, wherever you be. I know where you are. <laughs> I wrote that line down, too, and I was just like, okay. Uh, also, a highlight for me was the fact that because Jet Li jacked this taxi, the name tag for the actual owner was there. So, for a little bit of the movie, Alia calls Jet Li because... Uh, He's because Jet Li just goes around telling you like, oh yeah, my friends call me Akbar. Akbar. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So then she asks him for some reason. She asks him, "Hey, is it true that they say that everyone in Kong, in Hong Kong knows Kung Fu?" 
And he's just like, uh, he groans. Sure. He like groans and cringe. No, well, he says like, yeah, they. It's naturally they want us to like practice it a little bit. So, like they kind of yeah. do. I think. Wait, really? I didn't know. That. I think in China, yeah, they make you practice some form of martial arts ish or something. Oh, wow. It might be in the curriculum. That's interesting. And in at least in Japan, they'll make you learn an instrument. That's cool. Cool. But yeah, so he drops her off and uh, she doesn't give him her name, which is okay. So Broken Arrow Dude, we cut to, is playing golf, talking about deals and deadlines. And uh, the, the, the the gimmick of this scene is he sucks at golf and gets school. By the way, I because I, I think he's in the scene too. There's like a sub bad guy with this like with this like weird white dude Patrick Bateman looking guy, and I think he's in this scene and he's the one he's playing golf with. He's a he's a major bad guy, but he has like no presence in this movie. So yeah, I'll like this is kind of like spoiling a little bit of the plot of the movie ish too. Basically, the stushy white bro that we meet talking to like Broken Arrow Man, he like says Broken Arrow Man owns a bunch of businesses on the waterfront. He's trying to like get hold of all the de of like all his deeds and stuff because it's like douchey white dudes with the NFL. So he's trying to get like the Raiders a new stadium. But then he, he needs to like, but he needs the deeds to like all these like businesses and stuff on like the waterfront so he can plow them That's all right. over to get a new stadium. Spoiler alert, they never got a new stadium. They just moved to Vegas. Uh, but yeah, that's actually basically the plot. Yeah. So that's then, what's the plot. It's like it's they don't really give you good detail on that, but you get you kind of figure it out. I'd like I'd like to think that that is the canon. So the dude he's playing with is like you said threatening the local stores. Then and I think they say this later, but I'll just say it now for framing. Uh, Broken Arrow Man owns exactly half of the territory, and then the, the the evil Chinese man owns exactly the other half of the territory, so that's why they're in a turf war. So then Alia goes back to the store, I think. She sees her brother there. This is when we meet her brother, and... So what happened was she gets angry because he's on a phone call doing something nefarious, most likely. And then they have an argument and whatever. But I just wrote here in my notes, I said, she sees her brother there and she's angry, but then she's okay. 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 Well, because that's basically what happens. She gets all salty because she's like, what are you doing making these calls? I told you not to do that. But he's like, hey, hey. And then she's like, I just wrote down we meet. All right. I just wrote down we meet Aaliyah's brother, as like you described with him getting a phone call in her business and in her like store she runs about like yeah. the news of the freaking barber bomb. And I think he's going to go, he's going to go tell daddy now, the Black Arrow gentleman. Because then yes. the next shot, we get Jet Li breaking into a nice, sweet apartment thing. Which, this looks just like the apartment from Trail to the Grave. Am I going crazy? I don't know. You could be. <laughs> so and then, uh, then i guess we learned that the apartment that he like broke into <laughs> is the horny asian man and that horny asian man was uh jet lee's character's brother yes 
And he's just uh, going he's... around looking for shots and stuff. And then we get like one picture shot of like uh of like the horny Asian man and some like white blonde lady. I'm like, oh, is that gonna play into the plot of the movie? Kind of doesn't. So how dare me it actually doesn't... pay attention to double in the details? <laughs> it doesn't play at all. So I'm kind of so... frustrated on that on my part. So so uh, yeah, sees a bunch of pictures of the family, smokes a cigarette. He sees a basketball, at least what looks like a basketball in the closet. Then we get a flashback to him and his brother using the basketball as like a life preserver in the ocean because I guess Jet Li saved him from drowning. They don't actually tell you that, but that's what the scene, that, he, I believe, was portrayed. The scene to was to establish that he actually has a deep connection with his brother because they were in a life or death situation in the ocean trying to swim to like shore and they use this basketball yeah. as like a life preserver. So like, know, like the brother's kind of a D-bag, but Jet Li still cared about his brother. Yes. So he searches through more stuff, and then eventually he makes a phone call, which is to Alias Store, but then he just hangs up. I'm like, I, I actually wrote here in my notes because I was getting frustrated. I was like, bruh, anytime this movie would like to actually pick a scene and develop it, that'd be really nice. So then back with Alia, final, I think Aaliyah. this was final boss. Oh, God damn it. If you say Alia. Alia. Sorry. Alia. Alia. So Alia. 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 That's a nice, it's a nice name. I hope Aaliyah. you didn't get peed on by R. Kelly. Oh my god. Fuck, James. Damn it, it's so hard. It's like now all I now is like think of like when I think of like when I think of our Aaliyah, it's like, God damn it, you you're like in well, relationship with know, like R. Kelly. If, god well, damn we don't it. Know if, Oh, it gets even worse because because she released her first album at like age 16 or something. Or no, like age 15 or 16 or something. And the name of that album was Age is Only a Number. Ugh. Why? That God. was oh. that was the album. That was the album. But now I have the <laughs> now I have the dark urge to go watch that R. Kelly like freaking documentary of like all the oh, like surviving his, R. Kelly. Yeah, of Dude, all survivors talk about his gnarly shit. Which, God damn yeah. it. So anyway, with Aaliyah, final I think this is final boss guy comes up and speaking of R. Kelly creepy shit, he just like comes up behind her and just start kisses the back of her neck. No, 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 no. This is now freaking uh, Broken Arrows. Uh, no, not that's yeah, this not is final Broken boss, Arrows. Yeah. Like no, final boss is a different gentleman. I called this right. man the right hand man. There's two right yeah, hand yeah. mans, but one's a final boss. Yes, uh, this is indeed. Um, this is indeed Broken Arrow's right hand man. He comes up behind uh, Aaliyah and just kisses the back of her neck. But and she's he, not stoked on that. She is throwing mad sass at him. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't like it if some random anyone came up and kissed my neck like that. That's that's creepy. But to, to summarize the scene, he's basically like, "Look, man, you caused Anthony Anderson trouble. Trouble that wasn't cool. Things have been whacked since." And this is an actual quote that Chinese dude got popped. So he tries to make a pass at her, I guess. And she's like, dude, you're an errand boy for my dad. You're nothing. And I'm just and like, you, ouch. And he just gets all like bitchy and like Anthony Anderson tries to joke with them. And he just, and then like the right hand man bitch slaps Anthony Anderson's like, God, dude, what a freaking fragile masculinity, yeah. man. We got here. Yeah. He, God, you want to talk about small PP energy? This yeah, man has some small PP uh, energy. Not like, not Steven Seagal's small PP energy. Yeah. 
but he was uh man you know it's funny i was i remember looking up a bunch of stuff that like just steven seagal quotes because i wanted to talk about them on this podcast just as a quick just as a funny little like epilogue because who I mean, honestly, when the hell are we ever going to watch another Steven Seagal movie? And I forgot to transcribe most of that to my notes, but just one of the, there's just so many funny things he says and does. Like, if he's not, like, making himself out to be a god, then other people are just clowning on him. Like, I forget who it was, but, like, uh, someone, did you hear the story how someone made him crap his pants? Yes, I think I heard someone like because I watched like Joe Blow's video on what the F WT what the F happened to Steven Seagal and it just yeah, turns yeah. into like he does like he, he like magically gets somewhere <laughs> then he becomes a very overinflated ego and friggin there was a movie there like his one passion his first passion project movie where he's a Native American like He's like dude some Texas walk like freaking Texas Ranger shit or something. Oh, is that the one where he was in Alaska? I guess so. Something like that. And there was a scene where they filmed him doing a 40 minute speech. And they cut it down to like 7 minutes or something. They wanted to have him do a whole 40 minute speech as part of a scene. Wow. And people say Metal Gear is bloated. No, oh, Steven Seagal's blue. Yeah. Have you seen that donut face looking man? Oh, yeah. And then one of my favorite things I saw was apparently DMX hated working with him uh, because he was quoted as calling him a shithead. You know, what's funny. There is another movie with Steven Seagal and DMX. I, I was just going to say they made a movie like in 2015. Fuck. Are we going to have to watch that? God damn it. I, I we'll knew talk I should about have brought it. it. We're going to talk about No, I knew we were going to. I was going to bring it up. I knew. I found out about this. I'm like, God damn it. There's another DMX action star movie. Bitch. Steven Seagal. Oh, fuck. Okay. It's like, now we cannot not watch Steven Seagal's shitty ass. Is that a Brett Michaels? There's no win-win for us. Well, I think Steven Seagal's funnier. Unless he starts sending it, and unless he starts getting Russian hackers on our ass because he's got small peepee energy and lives oh out my in God. Russia. You know what? That'd be terrifying because, oh my God, but you know what? That'd be the funniest story to tell people. Be like, yeah, we got hacked by the Russians because Steven Seagal got mad that we were making fun of him on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, back to this movie. Um, Where the fuck are so, we? Oh, yeah, we talked so about Italy, Anthony Anderson getting bitch slapped. Yeah, yeah, and then and then right hand man is like, if I want Eddie Murphy, I'll go to the movies. And then after he slaps it, I'm like, hey, Anthony Anderson is better than that. Right. I like Eddie Murphy, but Eddie, Mur well, but Eddie Murphy. Well, Eddie Murphy is a legend. Yeah, of course he is. So Anthony, um, so sorry. So Broken Arrow dude is talking to Alia. No, 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 Aaliyah. No, I corrected myself. Yes, correct. So Aaliyah uh, is talking to her dad. And, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, so, yeah. She's talking to someone. No, I just wrote down like after Anthony Anderson gets bitch slapped, we got Aaliyah's brother talks to the boss dad, Broken Arrow gentleman, as he kind <clears throat> of flexes, saying he knows a way to end the war. It wasn't. It was hard for me to get really any details on that, on this. And boss dad explains that he has a big deal that will set them up. For like a set them up so that they can go straight from here on out. And then the son's yes. not stoked because like he's trying to like prove like, no, I'm a man. I could do this and stuff. Dad's like, 
no, yeah, no, yeah. please stop. He wants to be. To. He wants to be. Uh, he wants to be taken seriously. And then the and, and then it, and then Dad Boss gets news of the friggin' uh, barber bombing. Yeah, and he's just like he's basically like you're just a boy, and then he's like we're done with this street stuff. We want we're gonna go legit. So then yes, then the guy that hit Anthony Anderson goes to see Broken Arrow dude, tells him about uh, the uh, the bombing. So now we're back with Jet Li. He's stalking Alia, I guess. Well, no, he like during his brother, like during the part when he's going through his brother's apartment, he looks through the phone logs and he finds a phone number that leads to Alia's business. Yeah. Okay. So he has his, so he's in a cab. He has the cabbie follow her to her house. And then after she goes into her apartment, he just walks into her house yeah, because like he's like tailing her, and then she like goes. Yeah, he just walks in her house, and she's like, "Oh, hey, Akbar, how are you?" Yeah, and she's like, "What the hell?" And he's like, "Your store is the last place my brother called before he died." Because, and this is the part where I wrote, "Oh, I guess that uh, I guess that rich kid that died earlier was his brother." Because this is when I figured it out. The scene did not. Oh, you didn't see the picture of I- like him and his brother like back in no, the apartment. With the did. picture of like. Of no, like I Jet did, Li in a friggin' police uniform and his brother. No, I did. It's just either I'm a dumbass or the scene was doing a bad job at communicating. Or COVID's just whipping brother. her ass right there. <laughs> but yes. Um, so um, then Anthony Anderson shows up as they're talking. And then Lee pretends to be a dim sum guy. Dim sum guy. Like, like literally. because they, they show Anthony, up and well, he's just like, dim sum. Well, it's uh, Anthony Anderson and the boys all come up because he has to watch like he like his jobs to w- watch Aaliyah and Aaliyah keeps like giving him the slip. So he goes to Aaliyah's pad and he like walks up with a crew of peeps. So friggin' Jet Li like walks on out and stuff. And then like Anthony and like Jet Li plays like tries to disguise him off as like Chinese takeout. But friggin' Anthony Anderson, who's got a big brain as he's in the house, goes like, wait, I don't smell no Chinese takeout. Where's the Chinese takeout? Hey. We need to talk to that gentleman. And in the next five minutes is Jet Li kicking everyone's ass. And I was happy to have something exciting to watch. I don't know if this was, uh, I don't know if this was the most exciting thing since the Matrix, but it was at least nice to look at. It was something. It was entertaining. And Anthony Anderson yes. plays a great geek. And watching geeks, geeks beat up, <laughs> get beat up, never gets old. The highlight of this fight for me were were him uh, hopping over the street rails and then kicking through the support beam to kick some guys down the stairs. And then then he zip ties a dude together and he even takes one guy. Was it like zip tie or he like, oh, okay. He did use a zip tie because I was about to say, yeah. are, are you talking about the belt showman? But oh, no, you are about to talk about the no, belt. No, he, t- he, he took this one dude's belt and after he took the belt, his pants fell and it revealed that this gentleman was partaking in the man thong. And then he just steals their van, their van. But right as he gets in the van and drives off, he says, great country, free cars. And I'm like, Jet Li, what does you do with bruh? He just keeps stealing cars and whipping dudes asses. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and also Leah gets like a little bit of, like she, she shows boner face after seeing like all these gentlemen get beat up. So, I mean, to be fair, I probably would too if I watched Jet Li in action like that in his youth. Then we get a meeting of old Chinese men talking about their concerns. That was a first yeah, scene. Je- 
<laughs> okay, I actually wrote like a li- basically that, but I was like, no, I can't just say this scene happened. So I, tr- I could, I got two qu- sentences out of this scene. I said, Jet Li's dad's with his friends. They're talking about how they're in danger, and then Lee's dad randomly says, <laughs> because one of them brings up the idea, hey. Maybe someone on the inside killed your son. And then the dad says, and I think this is almost a quote. He says, we are not the blacks. Our loyalty is unquestioned. And I'm like, what? Well, okay. So I just wrote down, they just explained their concerns, but that does go into the plot of the film. Shockingly enough, because now we got the funeral. (laughs) Yes. We're at a funeral for Jet Li's brother. He shows up with the basketball um i okay i need i did point out i do appreciate the slow scene here he lays the ball in his brother's casket there's nice music playing in the background then he goes to talk to his dad so basically the beef here is jet lee took the fall for his brother and his dad and he did time for them for his dad mostly in a hong kong prison while they fled to america jet lee promised his mother that he'd watch over his brother but now his brother's dead. So his dad begs him to stay uninvolved because he can't lose another son. But Jet Li vows vengeance. (laughs) Exactly. He vows vengeance. So he goes to see final boss man who went to the club at the beginning of the movie. And then Jet Li asks why his brother was killed at the black club. And the other guy says the waterfront is four miles long Half the businesses are theirs, and the other halves are blacks. And then they spar for exactly 20 seconds. Yeah, I wrote and down... This- yeah, because I wrote down, like, like, talk, like to throw in my, like, observations of the scene. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Sorry, Wait. I was adjusting the headphones. Yeah, that was, like, a loud, like, <laughs> what I got on this end. But, yeah. Well, you could, well, but- you could edit it out. I'm fucking lazy. I don't want to fucking do that. That's fucking <laughs> dumb. Seriously, I only have to edit. It's really bad. And come on, we don't need to do that. We should be professional. We should be good enough at our craft to talk into a fucking mic that we don't need to edit. If you need to edit, you fucking suck. Wow, is that the... I don't know. That's like a, That's just that's, a chat. That, that's a hot take. That is a hot take or something. All right. Whatever. Yes, There's a funeral, with, everyone's yes. wearing black, and Jet Li appears. There's tension that could be sliced with a butter <laughs> knife. We get the things about, we get exposition about his dad and his, his dad, his brother, the horny man, with the, and he also has a basketball and stuff too. And there's like a yes. teeny funeral bo- fire boat. So I guess there was a Viking funeral going on for the horny man. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, 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 they did the shit where they put the paper boat on the little, on the little, uh, on the little, uh, not river, but you know the the in-house uh, lake. Whatever. I lost the plot of the scene, but forget we. He goes to the final boss, gentlemen. They talk. He explains, as you said. Oh, all the businesses are owned by us. Blah blah blah, and they have a wushu water bottle fight. Yeah, for like twenty seconds, and I was like, and and from that scene on, I was like, okay, they're gonna fight later. I was actually hoping they'd fight again because that fight was so short. I was like, okay, I know what they're going to do. They're going to tease it. Then they're going to tease it again. And then we're going to have the big super dope blowout. 
No, they don't do that, but... Mm. Whatever. So, so then, now we get Jet Li as he creeps on Aaliyah. At the park, where she's hanging out with kids and her dad's subordinates. The dude... Okay, so he walks over to her as she's eating the ice cream, and then right-hand man runs over, and he's like, who the hell's this guy? No, I'm sorry. Then she explains to Jet Li, oh yeah, this guy's like my dad's number two. So then right-hand man is like, who the hell's this guy? And she's like, oh, I met him in line. And then Lee's like, my friends call me Akbar. And I laughed. Lol. So the the other dudes, I appreciated that they actually wrote the bad guys with intelligence, because Anthony Anderson and his boys are there, and they're like, hey, that's the guy that kicked our asses. So then they're just like, hey, yo, Akbar, play with us. We'll go easy on you. They're playing football, by the way, American football. Yeah, they're playing uh, pickup football in the park. So Jet Li plays football. And <laughs> I don't know why there's just something funny about that. Jet Li plays football and he gets tackled. But he doesn't just get tackled. Like, he gets tackled twice in the scene. And the first time they do it, it does the second time too. Like, he gets but knocked first... back a, while, a bit. Like, they shot where he yeah. gets knocked back a bit. And then Anthony Anderson and his boys dogpile him. Then the next yeah, time, like, like Jet Li does something, he goes out for a pass and friggin' he like jumps up, a dude catches him, and he gets John Elway spin. I I wrote here they I wrote here they Legion of Doomed his ass. Well, there's the famous John El I think it was John Elway. I think it was some Broncos quarterback where there's a famous Super Bowl like tackle where he gets like hit in midair and he like rotates oh, around like yeah, yeah, rotates yeah. around like a helicopter. I'm guessing that's John Elway. I could be wrong, and to any football historians, I apologize if I'm wrong. If I'm right, we fuck should yeah. We should know everything about football, though, because we watched five weeks. Uh, no, yeah. You watched six, but I watched five weeks of Dark Side of Football, and about three or four of those weeks, they took the time to suck off the Patriots. So that was nice. Yeah. So Jet Li plays football, like I said, the tackles happen. Then he, uh, this, yeah, I wrote Jet Li gets smashed, spins in the air. But the on the third play, oh, this was amazing. He takes the ball after the hike, and then just he's do he's juking and jiving, dipping, dodging, kicking and punching and stiff arming. Like everyone. literally, just starts kung fu whipping ass these dudes while going for a run to the end zone. It was and like he makes a. I'm like, that's, I don't made, know if that's legal football, bro, but it's a pickup and game he, and they're fucking hazing you. So not fuck them. Whip their ass. And, and then he makes a touchdown and then he calls to right hand man. And this is an exact quote. He says, hey, brother, American football. And then he throws him the ball. And I just wrote here. I love Jet Li. Like some of his English delivery is so like awkward, but. You gotta love it though, just because it's, it's it's. I just watched Jet Li play football. Like that's amazing to me. Yeah. So so he now goes we to talk. We went, oh no, you go. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was just gonna say. So he goes to talk to Alia again. Gives Alia. him his address. God damn! <laughs> he goes to talk to Aaliyah. He gives him his address and then walks away. Back with her brother. Oh, God. Okay, I had to rewatch the scene because the first time I was confused, the second time I was laughing, the third time I was laughing, and then the fourth time I was like, wait, what? So we cut to an apartment with a with 
um, Aaliyah's, Aaliyah's brother, brother and, and, and what looked like his lady and he's like trying yes. to like romance but he's also talking about he's talking about how much game he's got right now yeah yeah he he's you know doing the whole you know oh i could be this i'm that when's it gonna be my turn and then she says don't worry baby your turn's coming then there's a knock at the door she answers the door and then the very next shot they are both thrown out of a window eight stories high into the bay area uh, bay. bay and they're dead like keep in mind we didn't see them get shot or stabbed and they were flailing their arms about you know as they were falling they weren't screaming but they looked very much alive as they were falling my point is don't you think if you fell eight stories into water like that would hurt but you could live from that right well it depends how deep the water is because here's the thing if you're still like falling mm. like eight eight nine ten stories and if the freaking it's like shallow you're still gonna crash down on something hard now if it's deep and where you could dive into the water and you can still continue on yeah but there's like but it looks like it was shallow so it looked like they're just basically hitting you know the ground if you're falling like eight ten stories so they got fucked like literally oh, i damn. thought there'd yeah, be more super dead like i thought there'd be more of this character but he was literally established like oh yeah i guess he's important to Leah and like a uh, broken arrow gentleman and oh he's dead now well you mentioned Tragedy. romeo and julie well, you mentioned Romeo and Juliet. So, who, who's the one guy that dies? Uh, is dude, this I haven't. I haven't. Fi- dude, I don't know the story of like Romeo and Juliet off the top of my head. I will tell you about Romeo and Juliet. Two families hate each other's balls, but there's a son and then there's a daughter that like have a forbidden romance. It's hot and passionate. They get fucking yes. married. Uh, they get an underage marriage, but then it's found yeah. out, and then they do a scheme where like. Someone tries to fake their death, but the person thought they actually died, so they actually died. And then the person wakes up from their fake death, and it's like, "Oh shit, this person, my lover died. Now I'm gonna kill myself." And it's like, "What the fuck? They kind of just died unnecessary." The story of Romeo and Juliet, recalled by James the, on the Doctor Hit Danger radio show. And then, um, and then I think the play ends with someone with I forget who it is, but someone basically curses their houses. Because the idea is, hey, your rivalry ended with the death of innocence or something. (laughs) So, so yeah, they're dead. Uh, Broken Arrow dudes, hella sad. Uh, Oh, this is this is funny. Not funny, but like, so he's at the crime scene. He, uh, what's whoever her whatever her brother's name was, is getting carted away in a body bag, and then Aaliyah shows up and sees him. And then he's trying to be sad-ish. He never, like, gets, like, super-duper sad. Neither does she, really, after this scene. Well, after a couple scenes. But they're just... But all, they're, blames- being, they're not stoked that someone died. Like, Black Arrow... Yes. Not Black Arrow. Broken Arrow and Aaliyah are just sitting there as like, Oh, hey, my brother slash son is dead. We're not stoked. And then Aaliyah yeah. curses at her dad. It's like, I disown you! It's your weird violence of money and whatever has killed my brother. A plague on your house. A plague (laughs) on your house. Ah! So I I guess there's, I guess that's Romeo and Juliet ish. How dare that be? Oh my God. So now we're with Jet. His apartment's been broken into. He finds a thing. It's his brother's apartment. 
detail. Right. Well, still, well, still. So he finds a. Th- so he randomly finds a pair of car keys. Well, he's he looking for a- the car keys. Yes, he goes into the garage for the place. He finds the car, but then the gate behind him closes. So he finds the car he's looking for with a pair of sunglasses. And I wrote here, bro, does every American movie gently make have to have him wearing shades and driving a sexy car? I guess so. But then he finds his brother's cane. His little walking and if, stick. And, and if he I may, find- the car looks just like the one from Cradle to the Grave. I'm pretty sure it's the same car. It's not the same car. It looked like the same car. It looked like the same car. <laughs> you were saying? So, yeah, he finds his brother's walking, his fancy walking stick. And he, like, looks around it and finds a piece of paper that is a list of addresses. So the yes. mystery continues. That was basically it for, that was it for the scene for me. But then at the very next scene, he shows up at Aaliyah's... No, no. Aaliyah's... Hey, two more Aaliyah's, times you get a free ice cream. <laughs> he shows up at Aaliyah's brother's place where she is. Then she tells him a story how when they were kids and how um, basically they pretended that he was hurt to pull a prank on her on their mom. But then she just started crying. And she's like, she basically is like, I know what that feels like. And she's like, I know no matter how much I cry, he's not just going to magically show up. And she's like, I need your head. Oh, and by oh, the yeah, way, I gently- was tripping the fuck out. Cause yeah, after the, all the fucking, he gets the list stuff. He walks back up to his brother's apartment and like, why the fuck is Aaliyah there? And then Jet Li, I know he's trying to look serious, but all I can focus on is Jet Li just has this look on his face as he's looking at her tell this sad story. He looks like he just hit a dab and Aaliyah's head just looks like a big donut. Like <laughs> he he just had this like weird zoned out. He just had this weird zoned out look. And I'm like, listen, Jet, I understand that you probably only understand mostly about half of what she's saying, but you're an actor. You actually know how to act. Come on, bro. Emote. Don't go Seagal on me. <laughs> well, well, it's like Jet. Well, a freaking blazed out Jet Li as Aaliyah talks about her tragedy. Oh, Daldi, I feel your pain now. My brother has fallen (laughs) to the blade. And now I realize through the darkness, I will never see him again. He'll never appear in my life. I understand your pain now. Oh, Romeo. Where wherefore art thou window breaks? Yeah, oh far window out when people chucked my brother out the window to hit the floor of the oh, hey, ocean oh, hey. board or oh, whatever. Oh hey, yeah. Hey, that's kind of I wonder if that was a joke because you know the famous line from the play, it's like, Wherefore art thou window breaks? Well, her brother died by getting thrown through a window. <laughs> hey, look, we're actually Uh-oh. figuring out why it's called Romeo Must Die. <laughs> look at this. We're, we're cultured, everybody. We yeah, are we're we're hella cultured. We're extinct. We're Yo, I watched the Leonardo. I watched the Leonardo Ca- Ca- DiCaprio movie once. I know Romeo and Juliet, bro. Sword <laughs> so guns to- are swords. <laughs> so we so he agrees to uh, help her, and we cut to some dude with a football talking menacingly. Oh, that's the white d bag, bro, from the golf game. That's right, that's right. And he's talking Let about menacingly to, uh, about getting a stadium in Oakland, and we all lull because that never happens. Then, then my next things, my next notes say, um, 
Aaliyah and Jet Li go to a warehouse with a shitload of dead bodies, but fresh cigars, like freshly smoked. And then dudes on motorcycles show up. Yeah, no. So Jet Li and Aaliyah go to what I presume would look like a Chinese, uh, a Chinese chop shop. And they go investigate the place. Jet Li finds, as you said, uh, basically a freshly smoking cigar. And then thugs on bike, then bikers appear. And then Jet Li and Aaliyah run out the door. And then one of the bikers realize, oh, hey, there's two people alive. We need to kill them. So they swing around and an Uzi pops out. And then they start shooting at Jet Li and Aaliyah. There is, yeah, I was say there is a cool scene where they get in the car and then yeah, the bike jumps on a ramp and just blasts in the atom on the newsy. We're bikers, uh, we're bikers, <coughs> we're bikers, we're bikers. <laughs> the bike, the bike, the chase scene's cool. Nice soundtrack. Uh, he gets rid of one of them by slamming them into a truck, and then the other one uh, somehow ends up on his. The other motorcyclist ends up on his car he hits the brakes the dude goes flying he goes to interrogate the guy takes off his helmet but uh oh spaghettios it's a woman it's a woman a chinese woman <coughs> so he is shocked it's like wait what and then we get this amazing dialogue so the motorcycle lady is trying to fight him and then Aaliyah is basically like dude kick his ass and then quote unquote um when he sees she's a woman I forgot to mention this. When he sees that she's a woman, the biker, the biker lady, he says, you're Chinese. Then she kicks him. And then she says, no shit. I thought that was funny. Yeah. So yeah, now he, so now he's actually trying to fight her. And this is completely ridiculous because Aliyah's like, kick his ass. So, and he's like, I can't hit a woman. And then she says, she says, look, in America, if a woman's whooping your ass, you fight back. So then, so then, so then Jet Li kicks this woman, this woman's ass using Aaliyah as a weapon. Like Jet Li blocks the woman's hits with his hand and his foot. What well, you mean with Aaliyah's time- hand and, and foot? Oh, he did that too. I thought he blocked himself. But every time he went to hit her, he like grabbed Aaliyah's body and hit her with her hands and arms yeah so technically he's not hitting this lady he's using another lady as a pu- as a meat puppet to like beat up this lady i've never seen that before and I then mean, i'm sure i've seen something similar and then it kind of yeah. ends when um excuse me when gently and Aaliyah launched the launch the evil biker lady into a rusty like broken down fence and she gets impaled which where we get mortal combat effects of watching a rusty piece of metal stab this lady's heart tight yeah yeah and it's funny because this scene is ridiculous and funny but when the lady gets killed alia's alia alia hides her hides her face in his chest like oh god i can't look and jet lee's got the serious jet lee face on he's like oh that was a worthy adversary i'm like dude you kicked her ass with the full body of another tiny woman you can't expect me to take this seriously nah come on so (laughs) so he goes to see his dad and he's like, um, he, 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 he's, he, I wrote down, Jet like, Li goes to see his dad to interrogate and I guess he gets some exposition or something. Yeah. He was like, like, he interrogates, you know, this, but nothing happens. Basically. He's like, so this dude, the warehouse is dead. And his dad's like, damn, 
must have been the black guys. And then Jet Li's like, uh, it was the Chinese that killed him. And, he, and, his, and his dad's basically like, what? Nah. nah. <laughs> so then Broken Arrow dude puts his, his enforcer, the right-hand man, um, he sends him to like a, a crab really? dock. He, did he send him? Because I thought the right-hand man just shows no, up to right, the crab right. dock. Yeah, he just shows up at the crab dock. And to summarize the scene, because this is really all that happens, he holds the dude at gunpoint and forces him to give him the deed to the land. Then then Jet, uh, final boss, Jet, uh, Jet Li's dad's right-hand man, goes to what looks like this oil rig or whatever place. Yeah, there's like this oil. Ship. It was like the ship, which looked like it was a crack den, which looks like there was drugs. He shoots up the manager of that crack den, and then he blows it up. <laughs> I was like, damn, yeah. there's a lot of stuff happening right now. Yeah, he he's he go he tells the guy he's like, dude, this place is about to get hit. And the guy's like, really, dude, when? And then and then he's like, uh, right now. And then yeah, he kills everybody and then takes all the money and the drugs. I took all your money and the drugs. Ha ha. And and if I can take a moment here, because I because I wrote this, I actually really I appreciated that the movie took the time to like create these parallels, right? Because you know the black dudes are like, yo, these Chinese guys are whack, and the Chinese guys are like, yo, these black dudes are whack. But in reality, right, they're both whack, and they're both do, doing underhanded tactics against quote unquote their own people. Plus. Both businesses, plus both business guys, you know, Broken Arrow Dude and Jet Li's dad, they both lost a son. They both have one kid left, and they have a crazy right-hand man ready to do whatever it takes for their boss. Oh. Isn't that cool? Yeah, cool? There's a lot of parallels. Yeah, because then we yeah. get then to the next scene. Jet, We see Jet Li's dad hanging out at a restaurant, and he goes back, and we see these. He goes all the way to back to this, like, refrigeration truck. Where there's like some meat pack and some like dudes like tied up in duct tape and he basically gives the go to to like get, have them slaughtered. I'm like, okay, we're just getting scenes of violence right now. Yeah, it's funny because after I wrote that scene, you know, where I'm noticing all these perils, and I'm like, man, isn't that cool? The next scene is him. Uh, we don't see it happen, but it's but it's very but the scene tells you that he has a butcher guy uh, butcher his what his partners. He I, I just saw, but I didn't get much details on like, I just saw dudes getting butchered or implied butchering. Yeah. We saw so dudes then, getting prepared to get butchered. Yeah. By and death. Like, butchered by death. Dude, that needs to be a corpse thrower song. <laughs> so then the white dude, for the evil white dude, uh, Broken Arrow dude was playing golf with. He tells Jet Li's dad to hurry up with the deeds to the land. And then, so then what happens next over the next few minutes is Broken Arrow Dude takes Aaliyah away from home saying, don't hang out with this Akbar guy anymore. And then she's like, I'll take my chances with him. And then he's like, he's basically like, oh my God, this girl. So then she asks him if he killed Jet Li's brother. And he's like, no, I didn't. And then we cut to Anthony Anderson and his boys playing what what looks like playing NFL Blitz on the PS1, and I thought that was amazing. And Anthony Anderson is the god of the game because he's, like, whipping their ass, and he's like, I'm not even looking right now. I'm not even looking. And he's like, I'm going all the way. 
Now, there's always that one guy at sports games where it's like, you know, usually, you know, you get a group of guys and you're all on equal level. There's always that one person every time you play him at like a Madden game or something. The score is always like 65 to 20 or some shit. For real. So, so Aaliyah gets there. There's actually kind of funny because uh, Broken Arrow dude shows up and then Anthony Anderson's scrambling. He's like, what the hell are y'all doing? Get back to work. I thought that was funny. So... Aaliyah goes into what I assume is her old room or at least a room for her to sleep in while Broken Arrow dude goes to talk to his right hand man. After she naps, he visits her. They have a heart to heart. He remembers the past, how much he loves her and all that. Then he gets a call from evil white guy and he's uh, the idea is he's going to make the drop somewhere tonight. Didn't yeah, he say today he's is D-Day, a- baby. We're going to like, you're going to sell me those businesses. I'm going to give you a lot of money and we're going (laughs) to forget. I'm going to get the Raiders a new stadium. Lol. (sighs) Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they say the drop was going to happen at a club? They went to somewhere, but it was like, he was, all this, all you can say is that broken arrow and white D bag gentleman. Um, he just said, all right, we're getting close to signing deeds. Cool. So then Jet Lee randomly shows up at her house. He randomly shows up at her house, and I'm just like, like Romeo. I guess it's close to Romeo because I think Romeo <laughs> pops. I think Romeo pops up in like one moment of like the actual story to like see her. It's like, this is my house. What are you doing? I I had to see you. Like yeah, to, he says yeah, that. I'm in love. He with says him. that. Well, yeah, well, Jet Lee's carrying that, but it's how, Jet talking, Lee does say, like yeah. I had to see you. And I guess in yeah, the, like, the story of yeah. Romeo and Juliet, Romeo had to see Juliet. I think in the original story, too, he's like 18, 19, and she's supposed to, I think she's supposed to be like 15. They're like hella young, but back then they didn't, people died at the age of 40, so. Did you know, did you know that uh, in the original, original, original plays back then, uh, as far as I could tell, I believe all of the roles, including women, were played by um, were played by men or young boys. Well, freaking, we just needed someone who could fucking act. So if a lady could play a better dude <laughs> than a dude, then fuck yeah. Uh, um, Hamlet, son. <laughs> so then Jet Li randomly shows up at the room. Like to I said, be there's or a funny not mo- to be. It don't matter. <laughs> It's 2021. You can decide to be or what to be. I'm going to get killed. That's funny. So there's a funny moment where. So there's a funny moment where Anthony Anderson um, has a box of pizza and he's trying to talk. He to is grubbing Aaliyah. hard because like he's, he's trying like, to like make sure she gets a slice of pizza. And she's like, he's like, yo, Trish, because I forgot that's what her character's name is. But nah. but he's, wait, he's like, yo, wait. Trish, where are you at? You want some pizza? Pizza's so good, you'll slap your mama. What is this, Domino's? <laughs> okay. That's what he said. So he said, what is this, Domino's? And I'm like, you know, I forgot. Domino's used to be really hype in the late 90s. Or you remember the, you remember the, uh, what was that character's name? The Noid? The noise. Well, the noise back, bro. Like I see. Yeah, they like, brought the noise back. That was cool. I guess Domino's is hype, bro. So Aaliyah and Jet Li, they go to DMX's club, and I was like, hell yeah! 
DMX. Let's go. Let's go. Leah, but we get major co- cringe going into the club. Do you oh have gosh. much to explain? What do we see right here? What's going I'll on? Give you, we're seeing, give you the- I guess we're seeing a romantic development between Aaliyah and Jet Li's <laughs> character. But what, I guess. what happened? So they get to the club and then she's like, she's basically like, we need to spruce you up. So then she like, takes we need to make you hat. look a little bit more hip hop. Yeah, so then we have Jet Li in these just like normie clothes, but she puts a hat on him and then she like turns it around. So, you know, it's at a snapback position. And then they just go in this club and then just everyone is just glaring daggers at Jet Li. Yeah, because he and looks then- like a fucking, he looks like a sore thumb. Aaliyah didn't do shit. <laughs> Jet Li like sagged his pants a little bit and then like Aaliyah gave him her hat and like put it sideways because hip hop. Bro, hip hop. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's, yeah. A funny, there's a funny line where she's like, "We need to make you look more hip hop." And then Jet Lee says to her, "I know hip hop." I'm like, "No, you don't." I just wrote down, you're "Please sh- shoot me." And then then like Aaliyah <laughs> takes him to go dance in the dance floor, and Jet Lee just stands there like a stiff board, and Aaliyah just does all like sexy moves up in Jet Lee's business. I'm like, man, this is a very awkward scene. Great uh, romance development here. And then we see on the I'm still on the whole I know hip hop line. I'm like, dude, I don't even know if Jet Li listens to music, let alone hip hop. I feel like all he does is just meditate all day and do movie roles. Something like that. But yeah, they're dancing and then they get noticed by uh, by DMX on the security cameras. It's like, wait, why is she here? So then DMX invites them up. And then, now again, to reiterate, there are two scenes in this movie with DMX. This is the second one. His his role after this movie is finished. The first thing he says in his last scene in the movie is he talks to Aaliyah and he goes, your dad's running around here like Donald Trump buying up all the waterfront. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like... God, you can't make this stuff up. You know what? You know what? Maybe we do live in a simulation. Maybe this is all a work. Because you know what? They were foreshadowing Trump being a president since like the 80s. Wow. And now this scene scene too? Bruh. Bruh. So anyway, then Aaliyah's dad's enforcer shows up. Who I wrote here, I guess his name is Mac. He shows up. Um, he just paraphrased like him and his goons hold up guns and he blasts DMX out the window. They kill DMX. I was like, you son of a bitch. So that's all we get of DMX in this movie. I'm going to be honest. I figured uh, DMX had it in his contract that he couldn't get killed in any of his movies. I figured he was going to live. And DMX, DMX was, a, I would say DMX was kind of a four here. He was very calm. He started off with a 10 and then he came here with like a neutral four. Yes, DM. Oh, I guess we should say his his name in this movie was Silk, and I'm like, Silk is not the first thing I think of when I look at DMX. No, when I see DMX, I see a DMX. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Aaliyah gets captured and Jet Li is knocked out, and then I was surprised. He wakes up in a warehouse, um, with a group of guys. 
led by Anthony Anderson. He's a he's straight up a bad guy in this movie. Yeah, and he's playing like armchair. He's like now playing like the armchair villain where he's in the rotating chair doing him a freaking an evil laugh, ha 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 ha, kind of thing moment. <laughs> and he's like, All right, I'm about to actually kill you and stuff. Or he's like, he's threatening like Jet Li. And Jet Li sits there and is like, hey, let me go and walk out of here and I won't freaking, you know, whip all your guys' asses. And Anthony Anderson's laughing like, what are you talking about? There's like 10 of us. What's one dude going to do to us? Ha 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 lol. And then Jet Li proceeds to whip everyone's ass. Some of the, sh- some of the stuff in this fight scene. Well, it's kind of the fucking is- Matrix here where he does the fucking wall run. <laughs> he does like a wall run but on like all these dudes' bodies, he does like a wall run kick and spins around in midair. I'm like, yeah, oh. it's the fucking, it's the most sickest action since the fucking Matrix, bro. Oh, allow me, because I wrote, because I transcribed this down, because I was confused. There's like five guys. He kicks one, then he like wall runs off of two dudes. But then he changes direction midair to kick a guy, but then jumps off of him to a support beam, then bounds off the support beam to kick a guy. I was like, what? Fuego. Fuego. So so I wrote here, I was kind of stoked. I'm like, Anthony Anderson is like, because we were talking about that final boss stuff. Anthony Anderson is a boss battle in this yeah, yeah, movie. no, like, yeah, I wrote down, I was like, oh, shit, Anthony Anderson's a fucking heavy, no way. So, and he's, like, right before the final boss, too, I'm like, good for him. So, he's evading gunfire, Jetly is, he's flying all around. He uses, he, a, a, he uses a fire hose to ne- fight off the gun, the, the gunman. Yes, he gets a fire hose and disarms everyone, but because this movie actually writes its bad guys as smart, one guy cuts the hose off with um, with an axe. But then Jet Li takes the broken hose and then does the most Jet Li thing that Jet Li knows how to do, and that's do weird, whippy hit ship. He's taking this broken hose and just starts whipping it around and swinging it all about, smacking dudes in the face. Then Anthony Anderson finally gets a one-on-one with Jet Li. And that's a weird sentence to me. I wrote here, Anthony Anderson gets a one-on-one with Jet Li, who, you know, he strangles him for a bit and stuff. But then uh, he tries to, I think he tries to throw him out a window. And then Jet Li grabs his tie. Yeah. So he's like hanging out. So like he's hanging out the window with Anthony Anderson. Like he's holding Anthony Anderson's tie like out the window. Anthony Anderson, like half his like fat body is like hanging out the window. And then like there might have been some dialogue. And then like, oh, there was like a running joke where like Anthony Anderson's character is called Maurice. But everyone kept on calling him moron. And then freaking like you go. Jet Li. So Jet Li. Also, there was an ironic echo here because earlier when Jet Li whipped their asses at Aaliyah's restaurant um, uh, apartment, uh, Anthony Anderson was like, you ain't the only one that knows some shit. And then Jet Li says here, you you are not the only one who knows shit. And then yes. Um, he like basically falls out the like window with Anthony Anderson. He pull- but- Jet Li pulls him out the window and he's like, this was great. He said, sorry, moron. He pulls Anthony Anderson out. There's a car like right underneath them. And then Jet Li uses Anthony Anderson to safely break his fall 
as Anthony Anderson lands on the car. And then after Jet Li leaves and gives a cute little pat on Anthony Anderson's face, Anthony Anderson, who's alive still, he gets his heat back because he's like, and name's Maurice. And like, oh shit, he didn't bitch. die from the fall. <laughs> My name is Maurice, <laughs> bitch. And I was just like, huh. Huh. You know, I didn't know what to think about that scene the first time I watched it. So I rewatched that entire fight scene from beginning to Anthony Anderson falling out the window like three more times. And I was like, you know, there's something so, there's something so just novelty about this scene. I can't put my finger on it, but it just feels like such a novelty. And I was really glad I watched it. And then the rest of the movie happens. Yeah, so... so I'll, yeah, I'll take this. Yeah. So the then we see Jet Li's dad. He meets up with the white D bag and basically he signs over all the de- like the deeds of all his businesses to him and he receives the check of $38 million. <laughs> I don't know how that's adjusted inflation, but I guess that's a lot of money. I feel like $38 million is uh actually, you know what? I'm a, when this movie I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do some math. Well, I guess I should not continue it on. And then he leaves, and uh, Jet Li's dad leaves. But then Broken Arrow, Broken Arrow dad shows up. He, like, exchanges some words with Jet Li's dad. He goes in, and then he's, like, talking over the deal with the white D-bag. And the white D-bag hands him the, like, check of $38 million. And he just sits there. He's like, you know what? I could do this, but I could be, I might be destroying my community. So, you know what? deals off i'm not selling off all my businesses and stuff and he's like what no 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 come on really really come quick. On. 38 38 million dollars back then was about 60 million dollars today so for a 60 million dollars <laughs> for all those businesses which i'm like i don't know that seems like a lot of money Especially when yeah. you're like throwing around to like try to get yourself a new stadium. Hot <laughs> lol. That doesn't happen. Uh, Alright. Oh, uh, where the fuck am I? Right. Well, oh, we're at the part God. where uh well, we're at the part where Broken Arrow da- dude um is trying to make a deal. Yeah, because I don't know if he was trying to make a counter deal or something, or he was just denying the deal. But then, so like, was, but then so his right hand was, man, the the friggin' asshole, friggin' the yeah. right hand asshole shows up, and then he starts like, he guns, he like shoots Broken Arrow man. Then he's like, no, uh, we're taking this money, bro. <laughs> like it or not, if not, I'm we're changing enterprises. Your business is now going to join into my corp, insert name corporation. Yeah. So what? So what happened was just just in case people care. So Broken Arrow Man's idea was, hey, I've got all these deeds, but I'm not just going to sell you the, the, the stuff. I want to go in with you and be your new partner because, you know, he's trying to come clean. So this is the part where Mac, a.k.a. Right Hand Man, snaps. And he's like, man, I'm tired of this. And then, yes, the facade breaks down and stuff. And then he actually brings out Aaliyah. And it Which, comes yeah, out. he captured Aaliyah at some point. Oh, yeah, he captured at the club. That's why. Yeah. We told, and then, I think we totally <clears> forgot <throat> about that. I know. Great freaking review we got here. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Mac at any point say that he killed Aaliyah's brother? Yes. 
like he before admits, this scene. Yeah, he admits the uh before the scene, no, I think during the scene they like asked if he killed her, like if he like killed, okay, exactly. killed his yeah, brother. Yeah. So friggin' he admits, like, yeah, I killed him. What up? I think it was like something casually. It was like something yeah, was like, Yeah, Aaliyah, you know, I think he needed a little push out the like needed a little butch. Cause Aaliyah cause Aaliyah's like Aaliyah's like, and what about my brother? And then he's like he's like there's always going to be casualties in war. Yeah, that innocent, was it. I innocence. think that was it, yeah. And then Broken Arrow dude's like, you killed my son? He, and he's basically like, huh, yeah. You thou kill my son? I shall now grab my sword and strike you down! <laughs> and then, yes, he does try to kill. And he, he doesn't have a gun, so Broken Arrow dude, she's just trying to strangle him. But yes, he gets shot. Uh, Aaliyah gets taken away. And then... um. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Well, oh yeah, I, I forgot. Oh yeah, and then Jet Lee shows up. By the way, yeah, I don't know if he showed up on the rooftop or he showed up there, but there was like a huge gun shootout, and then friggin' the white d bag like grabbed all the deed papers and tried to escape by helicopter, <laughs> but the right hand asshole was able to like shoot the briefcase down. Like the white d bag was like yeah. blocking his face. He was using the briefcase as a shield from bullets, and then, like he drops the briefcase and he collects all the stuff. The Jet Li appears and they have like a pseudo fight. But then like he like asks like, hey, did you kill my brother? He's like, no, that was an inside job from the Chinese. Dun, dun, dun. So double. And then and then, and then Max says at some point, he then said he points his gun at Jet Li. And then he goes, sorry, Romeo, you got to die. You got to die. But then like he gets shot by Aaliyah. Yeah. Yes. By Aaliyah. She pops him twice. And he's like, <laughs> he gets shot once and he looks at her and he goes, damn, that's cold. And then she shoots him again. And then he he, he topples over uh, the nearby fence or whatever to his demise. But that's beside the point. Never mind the cheesy death. That was at least kind of funny. But, but why the hell did he call him Romeo? That makes no sense. <laughs> why is the movie called Romeo Must? Okay, we established why it's called that earlier. Kind of. But, okay, I, I, I'm just going to spoil this. There's really not even a romance between Aaliyah and Jet Li. If anything, it's just a, a very deep friendship. They don't kiss or anything. They just hug a couple times. Yeah, so. But, yeah, oh, you're oh, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, but Romeo, but you gotta die, Romeo. And it's Sorry, like, Romeo, this, you gotta die. And it's like, this feels like these two had scenes in the movie earlier, which they did, but at some point, you know, there was supposed to be a thing where he was in, where he was like harassing Han, Jet Li's character, about his feelings for Trish, Aaliyah's character. And then at some point, he just sarcastically called him Romeo. Except that didn't happen. He just calls him Romeo out of nowhere. I know, weird. Because here's and, the oh, and wasn't this Jet Li's big breakthrough role in the states? Hey, movies were more simple during that time. Were they? Well, we don't have fucking Marvel movies left and right that are like oh, 80, 90 percent uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh god, yeah, you know, and I'm fine with that because some of, the, as far as I'm concerned, some of those Marvel movies just exist just for the post-credit scene. 
Yep, 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 yep. Any, anyway, so, so yeah, Jet Li appears happens. at his dad's pad. Yeah, he I goes guess there was might have been no, no, like Jet Li and Ali, like Jet Li and Aaliyah go to freaking broken, like broken Arrow Man, and he just goes like, "Oh, so this is the guy you've been hanging out with, a little bit shorter than I thought you'd be." And he's just like, your harass is like, oh, ha, ha, buddy, buddy. So you're the guy that's been uh, hanging around my daughter, I see. Mm-hmm. And then when hmm. then, like, Jet Li goes to his dad's pad and, oh, hey, it's now for, hey, remember we kept on saying final boss, dude? Well, it's now time to fight the final boss. And yeah, they have he, a goes fight. To, he goes to talk to him and he's like, and right and final boss is like, your brother wasn't suited to lead. So I killed him. And then Lee says, that was a mistake. And then, yes, then they fight. It starts off your basic Jet Lee choreography, a lot of quick hits and counters and impractical jumps. But then somehow the garden gets set on fire. Well, there's like the dude was doing a ritual with this little like fire like bin pot thing with like charcoal or whatever and then he uses that as a weapon on Jet Li where Jet Li's blocking him with his bare hands and his hands get burned and he sends yeah. and then like freaking he starts doing this pretty cringy thing like cringy in the old sense where he's just clawing at his burnt hands I'm just like ah ow that sucks and then Jet Li gets kicked through this freaking like awning that also gets set on fire because they were throwing fire shit around and like yeah shit got set on fire and I'm like huh lol ring of fire fight total Jet Li bro <laughs> and then Jet Li gets cereal where he rips off part articles of his clothing to wrap up his burnt hands and then he just whips this dude's ass then they both this is how the fight ends tell me if I missed anything All right. they, both, they both jump 10 fucking feet in the air and Lee somehow kicks the top of final of final boss's head, and then they show an X-ray, and then the he kicked him so hard he like severed his spine. Yeah, he like basically kicked his head down into his spine and just shattered it out. I'm not gonna ask if don't, that can happen. Dude, don't not, kick, bro. Well, dude, they fucking showed Mortal Kombat graphics, so it's like, all right, now we're in just fucking Mortal Kombat fights now. Dude, I don't know what it is, but like the um, all three of these movies, um, let's just call it the let's just call it the hip hop kung fu trilogy of this director. I'm I'm gonna be honest, this fight was a little anticlimactic. It, the fights were kind of anticlimactic in the other one, but the first one, you know, you still had that novelty of oh, DMX and Gabrielle Union with Anthony Anderson talking to DMX, and then the last one, it's like oh. It's the dude from Predator slash Commando. And then there's also Steven Seagal and DMX. But this one, I was just kind of like, maybe it was the COVID, but I was just kind of like, eh. Because these movies, you know, they're all tied like, oh, check out this insane dope action. And I know what Jet Li can do. Yeah, no, this one. I've Jet Li's hero. This one was the most tame in the action. But this was supposed to be the hottest action since the Matrix. I don't know. I'm not the one. I'm not the advertiser, bro. I'm just telling you what was advertised towards me. So then Lee goes in the house to confront his dad. And then I guess Jet Lee, big brain, somehow put two and two together that his dad had his own son killed because he's basically like, you killed my brother like it was nothing. 
And his dad basically says, yeah, but I feel bad about it. And then Lee's like, you're a dick. And his dad pulls out a revolver and he's like, well, fine. Kill me if it makes you feel better. He's like, no, I already got revenge on the person that killed my brother. You could do what you want. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not helping you if shit goes awry. And then he realizes, oh, damn, I just betrayed my family. Well, I'm cool. Yeah. He said, I dishonored he says, everyone. All right. Time to blast myself. Yeah. He's like, I'll let fate decide what to do with you. And then, yes, his father uh, shoots himself. And then he walks outside. The police get there. He embraces Aaliyah. And that's it. And then I wrote here is the last line in my notes. I'm bummed there was no Tom Arnold. But yeah, so that was Romeo Must Die. I feel like this is like not much saying, but like this might have been the most well-paced movie out of all these with the most See, like the I most like casual action. Because like Steven Seagal's action was kind of a fucking cartoon <laughs> at times. And then like yeah. Cradle to the Grave actually felt like the most like I feel like the like their action scenes felt the most crisp out of like these movies we've seen. Cause this one did yeah. felt clunky, but the Steven Seagal felt way more clunky and just cartoony. That's just because Steven Seagal is a clunky man. Dude, he's a cl- Yeah. With him doing some <laughs> fucking bullshit gymnastic shit. He's like, I'm a real tough guy. He's like, bull you know, fucking shit. It's like, I remember, it's like, I remember when we were doing that podcast and we were talking and I specifically got to the part where he drop hold toll kicks a guy, but then catches himself and then props himself back up. I'm like, screw you movie. There's professional wrestlers that can't do that. Yeah. And like, you think fucking tubby boy, Steven Seagal could do that? (laughs) Fuck you. But yeah, no, this movie was weird because like, I really didn't have that many notes on it. it. On my Samsung phone with size 16 font. I only had 23 pages of notes. It's really like 20. It's really more like, uh, you know, 22 and a, no, 23 and a quarter. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, I was looking over my notes as we were before we met. And I'm like, man, I feel like there wasn't a lot to say about this movie. Clearly there was a lot to say about the movie, but I don't know. It it was just kind of like, I'm glad I watched it because I'm kind of like, Ooh, this was Jet Li's rise to fame in America. But then I thought about it and I'm like, wait a minute. How the hell did this make Jet Li famous? Because I don't think these movies, I don't think these three movies suck, but I feel like Well, they suck on like if you like look at Rotten Tomatoes, they suck. But I'm like, this is kind of normal for like what you were watching on fucking like TNT or something on freaking rotation. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. They 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 kind of feel like TV movies. But there's a little more blood and there's a couple more F-bombs. Yes. But, you know, we'll, we'll see compared to the next movie we'll watch. Because fuck it. We might as well. Because I guess there's a Steven Seagal DMX movie out there. So we might as well hang out and talk about Steven Seagal. What is this that is movie? Not, Can you please look it up not, for me? This is not my fault. I I was actually actively legitimately going to avoid this movie. I don't know. I hear Just it's because fucking horrible, but what is it? I, it I, is I called, like look on my phone. You're going to hear me all click clack since my phone's it's, hooked it's up to the, the most. It's the most Steven Seagal sounding name in the world. It's called Beyond the Law. Beyond the Law. Starring Steven Seagal, DMX, Bill Cobbs, and John Messner. 
John Messner. Yo, what's his fucking uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating? I don't know, but looking at John Messner. Just type it in Google. Well, I was going to say this John Messer guy. The first thing on his Wikipedia is he's best known for his portrayal of a muscular military man in the 2004 film Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid. That's what he's is that best the first known that, yo, for. Is that the Anaconda with Ice Cube? Cause that no, was no, no, like, that was the, no, that was the first one. This is the sequel. Was this, did the sequel have like, God, sub chick? Like, I can't remember if it's like, I'm totally wrong. It was like Angelina Jolie um, or like Jennifer Lopez. The set, the female, the first female listed is Cad D Strickland. Yeah, I know. So I don't know. I just remember the freaking like, just corny, like. The corny movie with like Ice Cube, but it was still entertaining though, because it's like it's bad, but it's entertaining though at the same time. So it's not a not fun movie. And oh, and by the way, by the way, Beyond the Law has a twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's about the same as like freaking Cradle to the Grave. So fuck it. Like, how bad could it be? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah, because, that's right, listeners. We're gonna. Dude, this is a ne- this is a never ending rabbit hole. It, it because it, if we don't, if it's not Jet Li, then it's DMX. If it's either of them, then it's Steven Seagal. Oh, I am not going on a Steven Seagal freaking like rabbit hole. That's just trash on trash on trash. It is trash on trash on trash. All right, but before that, what should we do? Our what should we get into for our music review next week? Did we pick some from the question. book? Uh, no, sorry, listeners. We, it's been a couple weeks because we got fucked by COVID nineteen. So no, we, fuck we, us. we never actually we never actually picked anything from the book because I think because we we anticipated we would actually be able to you know meet in person on time. Um, oh well, fuck the it. Only, the, only, the only thing I could think of is either a you do the book or we could um or we could just start a new album track. I know I threw out Guns and Roses a few weeks ago. Uh, I want to do Guns N' Roses when we go into Brett Michaels, so we got the butt rock train going. God damn it. <laughs> All right, let me grab Lul. One a second. I got to get over there. I got to get in there. Yeah. During my COVID like bit, like during my COVID binge, I've been watching uh, I think I like watched a lot of like the bridge series. So I watched a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh bridge and Dragon Ball Z bridge. And I watched both sure. machete movies. So nice. I, uh, I watched machete. machete. I watched a lot of, uh, I watched a lot of mystery science theater 3000 and a shitload of analysis videos on the, uh, on the cultural significance and background of metal gear solid two. Oh yeah. I also powered through all of star Wars, the bad batch. So I'm caught well, up. How with was that? that? It's pretty, it's good. I'd say it's a good show. It's better than the show. Fu- I was the most. It's better than about. fucking Resistance or what was that fucking one show? Oh, Rebels. Well, there's Rebels and then there's the new one after Rebels. That's like in the. Oh, I know that. Yeah, fuck. I think it's Resistance or something. Like Resistance was kind of cringy, but it gets better as it goes for the first season. The second season was just whatevs. And Rebels yeah, is go. like, Star Rebels Wars is all right. Okay, well, Bad Batch is better than fucking Rebels, so there's that. Is the, it as good as Clone the, Wars? It's like, dude, there's so much good Clone Wars. Now, does it feel it goes off from Clone Wars? Yeah, you know what? I feel like it does justice. So, yeah, I know Bad Batch oh is God, pretty dude. legit. 
I looked up Star Wars Resistance on Google, and dude, the art style looks just like freaking Ruby. Yeah, no, the, the art style is pretty rough. I, I prefer the Bad Batch, but Bad Batch is pretty cool since it's like, it's pretty, like, I like how they're trying to establish a story of, like, literally, oh, hey, the Empire is being established now. And then, like, all the clones and stuff, what's happening with them? So you, it's cool to see a little storytelling of, like, that transition period. All right, how am I doing the fucking book? Oh, so what I do is I grab both ends of the book, and then I do the little jingle. What's the jingle? Left, right. Left. Left. Right, right, forward, back, back triple, triple D, D on the attack. attack. What did we get? All right, we got four albums, but the first one I saw was Rush's 2112. Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, I don't know if you'd like that, though. It's Prague. Well, good. That means I got something to cringe. And this is 70s rush too. So this is like actual. This yeah, but is the runtime is like th- but the runtime is 38 minutes and 46 seconds. So Yeah, it's not that long an album. Well, it does, I listened, doesn't I listened seem to Rush's discography. I listened to Rush's discography a year or so ago, actually. Cool. Let's well, uh, all right. So next time we are watching, is it Beyond the Law? Behind the Law? Beyond, no, be behind the law. <laughs> no, it's beyond the law. We're gonna like we're gonna watch. Behind the, <laughs> I'm about to say behind. No, beyond no, the, the law uh, and Russia's twenty one twelve. No, that's the uh, that's the adult film parody behind the law. Oh, is there a porno version of Steven Seagal where he like has more ego than he actually is worth? God, I hope not. What the fuck was that? Oh, my mom popped her head in. All right, cool beans. All right, my dudes. All right, this is the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show with your host, James and Edward. Have a good one. Adios.